Hello and welcome to the Ham Radio Crash Course Podcast. My name is Josh, amateur radio call sign KI6NAZ. And I'm Leia, KN6NWZ. Back again in the Top 100 Technology Podcast about Ham Radio. Let's get started, shall we? I mean, that's not a category. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I added the about Ham Radio. <laughs> that's yeah. a- <laughs> that's- <laughs> Back in the Top 100. There's a lot of Ham Radio podcasts these days. <laughs> Mm. Well, Leah, how are you doing this week? I don't know why you all had to get sick, but you need to stay away from Dude, this me. week sucked. <laughs> Everybody decided to get sick. Except you. Congratulations. But I got a notice, okay, today on mm-hmm. my phone. It was like, you were exposed to somebody with COVID <laughs> because they have that tracking thing on. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? I didn't go anywhere yesterday. <laughs> what if you had COVID? How did they know? <laughs> I haven't even tested yet. <laughs> I did test, but I don't have COVID. We're just sick. So then I checked the notice again, and it was actually a notice dating back to uh, the 9th or 10th. Oh. So it's essentially keeping track of where you've been. And right. then if you, yeah. if you test positive, right. then it's like, I got to let everybody know. Which, in the course of all of the infectious diseases and ways to notify people, mm-hmm. that's not a bad way to go, <laughs> right? Like, well, I mean, that's other the... other infectious diseases that might be more difficult to make a call about to tell people. <laughs> what if you just had you're, that? <laughs> you're in the middle of nowhere, completely isolated from anyone. You're drinking water out of a stream, and then you get the notification, uh-oh, you've got Jardia. No, <laughs> no, no, no. You've been exposed I mean, to Jardia. Like, when, when you have a uh, specifically kind of transmitted disease. And a you specific then, kind. And then you have to then notify other people you may have exposed. I I get where you're right? going with okay. that. Okay. I'm assuming that... that's a thing. <laughs> And then I'm guessing then, that's already a thing. But then you don't have to make the call because your iPhone. You don't have to make that already, awkward call. Yeah, the iPhone already told them. Oh jeez. And it doesn't need to tell them who. The problem is between the ninth and tenth, I was at Chinese school, not very far. <laughs> um, big Air Trampoline Park. <laughs> big Air Trampoline. Buena Park Mall. Your your uh, disease app is like you should calm down. <laughs> You, you need you, this This is warning. not Pokemon Go, okay? <laughs> You're not trying to catch them all. <laughs> all right, just chill with that. Yeah. Well, how's it going, everybody? Thanks for clicking on the Ham Radio Crash Course podcast. We are back at it again, kicking things off with the Ham Radio Minute. It's never a minute. And today, <laughs> tis the season took to hook others on the joy of Ham Radio. You're getting together with families. Why not bring a radio with you? I recently saw mm-hmm. an ad, a video ad. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they have replaced infomercial. <laughs> a video ad. If, if you, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's it's like a TikTok, but I don't have TikTok anymore, so it's like a reel, right? Okay. Ironically, it was about a reel. <laughs> it's a can koozie that has a reel on it. <laughs> like for fishing? Like yes. an emergency yes. fishing yes. reel that's also a can koozie? 
And then the video just has a bunch of people catching fish in different scenarios with the can. Right. And they're just kind of like wrapping it back around by hand because it doesn't have a spinner. Yeah. Right. That's a like we used to, in scouts used to call that a, like a hobo fishing reel. Okay, and and everybody looks so happy doing it, and I'm like, first of all, how are you doing that without spilling your beer? <laughs> like so, it just seems to me right that that's not the best invention. <laughs> well, what else are you gonna do? What if you're on the lake or whatever? Have a fishing rod. Have a, a pocket rod. I mean, that also like let's say you're let's say you're trolling with your buddies. Yeah. You're you're 15 cans deep in natty ice. Okay. Why don't you throw that line in the water? And then it just shows the ad, right? And like it's a really fun uh, indicator too when the fish is on, and you just see the can go fly out of the <laughs> can as the boat's doing five knots down the water. But then it got me thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why isn't there a ham radio with a reel on it? <laughs> Oh, the reel could be the antenna. Yes. Oh, interesting. No, patent patent pending. <laughs> patent pending. Every, patent pending. Everybody, everybody calm down. back off. <laughs> calm down. Everybody relax. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. All right. Let me think about that one. That's that's something. Yeah, but they could be attachments instead of like like bangles, like no, charms, so, so that you could attach them to different radios. Um, yeah, I mean, they'd have to be because every radio is slightly unique in their right. form of, their, their form of yeah. the, uh, the case. Right. Yeah. Well, getting back to it, <laughs> tis the season to hook others on ham radio. <laughs> that's where I got that from. <laughs> right. That's right. Now, this goes beyond just like you're that uncle who brings a ha- wears a ham radio and everybody thinks, you know, you, you act like you're, you know, working with the, the, the military or whatnot, but really you're just that guy who checks into the net in the middle of dinner sitting at the table. Maybe not that guy, but there's all kinds of fun stuff you can do is like a in between the action kind of activity. You could set up the radio station in the front or backyard, do something a little bit fun, introduce people to what radio is all about. Or Assuming just isolate yourself in the backyard. This no, is like, bad advice. You this welcome people advice. to go with you. Like you're like, I'm going to say, who wants to hear Spain? Do, do you realize how cold it is in most parts of the country? <laughs> I get it. I get it. You could set up the antenna outside and then go inside with like a longer piece of coax or whatever. Right, right. This sounds horrible. Or like you just throw the antenna straight into the tree. (laughs) Or barring HF, if that's some a bridge too far, go back, get the handheld, right? Uh All programmed up, ready to go. Uh Know what nets are coming up, and then like you know, introduce people to what a net is. Is there a Santa net? There is. The uh, last week on Ham Nation, we uh, talked about the Santa net. I vaguely remember this. Not from watching Ham Nation, but I think from the podcast <laughs> last uh, we've, year. We've interviewed this uh, this person multiple times on Ham Nation. We did it last year, too. Same person. I believe it. Mm-hmm. Does Santa broadcast all day? Um, well, not broadcast, I guess. But... That would Santa is a true ham. He yeah. knows broadcasting is illegal yes. on him. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's usually on 80 meters is where they have the net. I thought so it's you shouldn't time. go to 80 meters. That is the the meter in which you dare not tread. It's the dark place, like in, <laughs> like in Lion King. Yeah. That's where the hyenas live. Uh, no, 80 meters <laughs> is great. 80 meters is fine. So I, no, you should go there. <laughs> there there are some, uh, some people who are a little salty on 80 meters. That is true. 80 meters is definitely the... 
a relaxed fit band. Like everybody's just kind of hanging out. Oh, like it's everybody's like the just chilling. Band. The what? The Salmiac band. Salted licorice. Yeah. Salmiac. <laughs> what, how did how did you get relaxed fit hanging out to Salmiac? It's just some of them are salty. Oh, salty. Got it. Yeah. It's just a lot of people doing rag chew most of the time, and okay. so this net is on a frequency. By the way, that's where they do they do trivia. 80 meter trivia. Oh, I love 80 meters. <laughs> yeah, right? I thought that would get you back on board. So yeah, consider there's many an option and, and we'll talk a little bit more as we go on here on some of that stuff. But I mean, you would tuned. do a whole lot more to ingratiate ham radio to families mm -hmm. if people could talk to Santa. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. like all Christmas Day. Just like reporting on where he is. Oh, I see what you're saying. That's not... <laughs> Too bad of an idea. Yeah. Santa's, Santa's got to change his antenna now on the sleigh <laughs> to capitalize his 20-meter propagation. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. <laughs> so that's true. That's true. Leah, would you like to take a test? Oh. Right into it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's right, Leah. After the ham radio minute, straight into test time. I know. How And, and you're kicking off a new one this uh this week new test I'm new test new you i'm going i'm getting so sick of this what what are you getting sick of that i am almost to the point where i just want to study to get this over oh <laughs> is that so i <laughs> is that right question one of 35 how does a ferrite bead or core reduce common mode RF current on the shield? What? Did I read that wrong? Or core are, reduce. Those are all English Common words. mode RF current on the shield of a coax cable. A, by creating an impedance in the current's path. B, ferrites expel magnetic fields. C, it converts common mode current to differential mode. D, by creating an out-of-phase current to cancel out the common mode current. I got this wrong. Oh, it's impedance. It apparently creates an impedance in the yeah. current's path. All right. Yeah, you want to get that stray common mode current off the shield of the coax. And All that's right. what the ferrite does. The ferrite's like, I'm, I'm impeding you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Is just screaming at constantly. Yeah. <laughs> it can get kind of annoying. It's like well, the hall monitor of the ham shack. You can't hear it because you don't, you're not mm -hmm. able to hear that frequency. So that's one of the, the privileges you get when you get to extra. Uh, oh, so I just can't hear it. That's right. It's, it's, that sounds like a punishment for becoming an extra. I'm the ferrite whisperer. <laughs> but they're just constantly screaming. All right, next question. What precaution should you take if you install an indoor transmitting antenna? Oh. A, position the antenna along the edge of a wall to reduce parasitic radiation. B, make sure that the MPE limits are not exceeded in occupied areas. C, locate the antenna close to your operating station to minimize feed line radiation. D, make sure the antenna is properly shielded. Okay, pick and then wait. Go ahead, give the answer. It's B, make yeah. sure that MPE limits are Read not exceeded in occupied areas. Read A again. 
A, position the antenna along the edge of a wall to reduce parasitic radiation. Can you point to the edge of a wall for me, please? It's a corner. An edge is a corner? Yeah. Isn't that just another edge? It's where dimensionally speaking. A corner is where two edges meet. It doesn't say corner. It says edge. Yeah, but it's still the edge. But then everything is a corner to a wall. Everything. Yeah. They're all edges. Yes. Uh, okay, I don't I don't like that. Don't, <laughs> why can't they just say corner? Because it wasn't the right answer. <laughs> I mean, I, I get that, but still, like, the edge of a wall, like, everything is an... Okay, all right. Um, all right. And most walls are, inter- like, an internal wall? Yeah. That's an internal corner. It's not an external corner. Right. That's weird. Weird question. Weird answer. It's a wrong answer, everybody. It's wrong, but, you know, not a fan of that one. Yeah, just don't focus on that. (laughs) Don't focus on that thing that I stopped the whole thing about. (laughs) Just remember when people are involved and, like, safety, Mm -hmm. that's usually the answer. Yes. How does the feed point impedance of a half-wave dipole antenna change as the antenna is lowered below a half-wave above ground, a fourth, a quarter wave above ground? Ah, a, it peaks at about one-eighth wavelength above ground. B, it steadily decreases. C, it steadily increases. D, it is unaffected by the height above ground. Ah. <laughs> that was a hesitant <laughs> click that I just watched you do. I got it wrong. Oh, no. B, it steadily increases. Yes. We're talking about height above ground. Well, it said that the antenna was being lowered below a quarter wave. Correct. So picture, if you will, what mm-hmm. does a dipole antenna look like? Okay. It's like a T. Yes. Right? And it, in a, in the best case scenario, it's a T with a flat top. Mm-hmm. The long part of the T, the, the, the vertical part, uh-huh. that's the feed line. They're talking about the distance of the feed line mm-hmm. in wavelengths of the antenna from the okay. ground. All right. So it's below one half wavelength. Okay. A dipole antenna is a half wavelength antenna. Each leg is one quarter wavelength of the frequency you're transmitting on. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. I still don't think I understand. Why don't you understand? Why, Why would it decrease the impedance? Because you're getting close to the ground. So the higher up you get, the more it increases the impedance? What is the answer? It decreases. The impedance yeah. as you get closer to ground. Uh-huh. So it increases the other way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Question four. What is the solar flux index? <gasps> oh. A- Measure of the highest frequency that is useful for atmospheric propagation between two points on Earth. Mm-hmm. B, a count of sunspots that is adjusted for solar emissions. C, a measure of solar radiation at 10.7 centimeters wavelength. D, another name for the American sunspot number. Mm. Trixie. It's Trixie. It is a, 
<clears throat> see a measure of solar radiation at 10.7 centimeters wavelength. Did you take B? No. Did you take C? No. You went A? Mm -hmm. What's A? A measure of the highest frequency that is useful. That's muff. Okay, but maybe just indexed muff. <laughs> like okay, okay. So no, it's a yeah a measurement okay, of ten point centimeters wavelength. Got it. Got it. You got it. You'll never. <laughs> never again. <laughs> never, never mistake that one. Last question of today: What circuit is used in an analog FM receiver to convert IF output signals to audio? Hmm. A phase inverter. B, discriminator, C, product detector, D, mixer. I think I'm supposed to know this one because I've seen it before. Um, okay. It's a discriminator. <laughs> I selected the wrong thing. <clears throat> yeah, it was the it was the IF output. I think you haven't seen that before. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, if you'd like to study along with Leia, we had a couple of ways to do it. The links are in the description. We highly recommend you check out hamstudy.org. It's a free website that tracks your study progress as you take practice tests, and it will kind of show you what you're doing good at and what you're doing bad at, and it'll give you more of the stuff you're doing bad at to help you practice in all those areas that you need help so in. So that you could be good at it. So you could stop being bad and start getting good. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> We also recommend you check out the Gordon West Ham Radio Prep Books. They are all on Amazon for Technician, General, and Extra. We like these because they not only explain the answers to the questions, but give you a background on why the question is being asked in the first place, because that's often the connective tissue, if you will, that people miss out on when they start doing this kind of stuff, is that they don't know why. Why are we doing this? Why are you asking me this question? This is sounds like some malarkey. What's going on here? And those, these books help to flesh that out. And lastly, we like the fast track to your ham radio license books on Audible. Audible is a link that we're providing. It does help out the ham radio crash course. It is an affiliate link. But the good news is, is if you download any of these books or any book for that matter on the Audible free trial, you get that book for free. So one free book if you sign up and that's your book for life or as long as Audible exists whichever comes first, uh, and then uh, you can you can cancel at any time. So check that out, all right? Okay. Amazing deal. Yeah. Join the conversation by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts for the Ham Radio Crash Course. And you can email us at leah at hamtactical.com, which we will hit that up later up in the show. We'll read your emails. Hopefully you send us some questions. We love that. Leaving a review wherever you listen to the podcast will help the Ham Radio Crash Course reach more hams and the ham curious, and we appreciate it. Leia, we have a review. We do? On the Apple Podcast from so Bush. So exciting. From Bush L. And they say, great ham radio advice. Josh and Leia offer great advice when it comes to ham radio. I truly enjoy their banter. I would, however, question their ice cream cake knowledge. Not mine. You know, we haven't had a hot beef Not on mine. ice cream cakes in a little while. Though I did recently look at buying an ice cream cake for the holiday season. Mm -hmm. Despite me not liking Baskin-Robbins cake, mm -hmm. they make a snowman cake. He's a melty snowman cake. And Interesting. Yeah. Very good. 
This ham radio power couple, wow, seem to favor Baskin Robbins. Not true. No, 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 no. And so now, Leah, we're going to keep going with this. This is a mischaracterization of my position on ice cream cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Even though it is well known that the Carvel cookie puss sweeps the competition. 100%. Carvel all the way. Leia is a car. So Bush, you're 50% correct. I am ride or die Baskin Robbins and Leia is a Carvel. Carvel makes a, a an ice cream man, but they in the stores. We don't I, have Carvels out here. I have never had a Carvel cookie puss because we don't, you know, they only stock mm-hmm. standard Carvel cakes out here. Mm-hmm. Do you know what the Carvel cookie puss looks like? I do. <laughs> Should be on a predator list or something. <laughs> It's not good. How do I get one? It's ridiculous. I need it for Christmas. This is horrible. Uh, anyways, check them out if you want to <laughs> learn about ham radio and ham radio adjacent stuff. That is truly, that is that is what we like to say. Ham, a, a whole podcast about ham radio adjacent stuff. There's only one Carvel store in all of California. Mm-hmm. It's got to be like up and north. it is close enough for you to get it for me. No way. For you to get it oh. for me. <laughs> How many hours is this away? It's in Santa Monica. Oh, I don't want to drive to Santa Monica. But you could. No. You're halfway there. <laughs> well, maybe when I get the truck, we can talk Hey, about you know, we could go there when we go to Watts Tower. We could just keep going. Go to Watts Tower and mm-hmm. keep going. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Are you ready? Wow. Are you ready? Are you ready? See, that's what I can do. A poda. Into the unknown I will go, for I shall fear no man of peace. One foot after the other, for I am prepared to survive. I'm not allergic to bees. Welcome to the Preparedness Corner. Leia, this is where you bring us a topic every week. In the area of preparedness. And it's a it's a soft walk in the shallow end of preparedness. We're yes. very yeah. we're objective. Practical. I, I don't want to say we're sane. No, that's not n- it. No one can really ever say one is I don't know sane. that we're practical. we're just not doomsday preppers. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if you were a doomsday prepper, <laughs> this week asks, mm-hmm. where would you put most of your skill points? Oh, this is like a, a a video game. So this is also like a, a gamer yes. slash doomsday prepper. Interesting. So yeah. there are a few comments. I pulled this from r slash preppers, one of my favorite prep places to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, doomsday preppers always keeping rusty tins of food in their basement, but never building spring houses and smoke houses and paddocks for future livestock. Those canned peaches are only going to bring you so far, babe. And are you going to study medicinal herbs and their cultivation, or are you just going to keep stockpiling weapons like a little bee? Whoa. (laughs) Are you going to shoot your way out of an infected cut, dummy? (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) So I thought maybe we would look at the D&D classes. (laughs) <laughs> and determine well, that's what a, a, prepper a stat, you are. A stat line is different from the... Sure. But we're not going to get into stat lines, okay? Well, All okay. Right. So the stat... Do you know what the stat lines are, by the way, before we get down this road? Because mm-hmm. you're looking at the page, or did you I actually know. know that? 
like because I'm looking at the page. Strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Solid. So <laughs> they're barbarian and fighter. Obviously, one is like the prepper that builds their physical stamina. Uh, I am prepared to correct. walk, high, lift. Usually high constitution. Fight with my hands. Points in strength, low intelligence. Or you don't need a lot of intelligence. Brute force. Generally yeah. is the is the game. The, so good at building things, yeah. So the fighter, I would say, is he who carries the most weapons. Fighters usually specialize. They usually specialize in a certain weapon type. Usually some arcana type. Okay. So they, then you've got like someone who's class. really good at shooting guns. Somebody else really good at crossbows. <laughs> somebody the make shoots really of people good. in the... In the... <laughs> the knives. <laughs> the knives guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Then you have the rogue. This is the person who specializes in the uh, the dark arts of preparedness. Like mm, um, no. lock picking. Okay. Um pickpocketing uh gray man suiting up okay 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 i I have two classes that i would i would subclass i would do a primary and subclass rogue is one of them rogues are also um they are also capable of using devices Mm -hmm. of both arcana and magicka usually rogues because they have a higher intelligence and high dexterity they can use like wands and whatnot. Sure. And dragons. And then you work on like charisma and stuff like that, right? Rogues are often high in charisma as well. Right. Yeah. So you become a well, people person. It, it so that you can take advantage of them in an emergency. <laughs> it, it depends. We'll talk about we'll talk about main main right. classes versus subclasses in a second, but yeah. So a monk okay. I would say that's like an herbalist. Usually they can get by with very little. This is like your primitive bush craft. Okay. This is like your Dave Canterbury would okay. be like a monk. Okay. Right? Like All that right. kind of type. All right. Can, can use a, a series of simple tools and fully subsist. And if they just had more, they'd be like, well, what will I do with all this amazing <laughs> stuff that I have? You know, like that kind of stuff. Paladin. Yeah. You got to watch out for the paladins. They get a little zealot, a little too serious. So these are the religious preppers. This is the Church of Latter-day Saints. All the Mormons. They're uh, all paladins. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it doesn't matter. The ranger. That Well, I guess the ranger is actually the... The ranger is kind of a subclass of a, of a main class. Of it's a, a cross between a it's it's a cross between a fighter and like mm-hmm. a rogue. Mm-hmm. Um, to a, yeah, to a point. Well, yeah, there's some other subclasses we'll hit. But also Dave Canterbury would put in the ranger class, yeah. Warlock. Hmm. That's a super subclass. It, it, skip that and go to like sorcerer. Wizard. Cleric. Okay, cleric. This is going to be the person that mains line, mainline first aid. Mm-hmm. Possibly somebody who was a a, a, the med- gardener? a medicinal person. The, the gar- gardener. The gardener. The that would be a druid. Really? It, yeah. Okay. All right. So the gardener. How did you get <laughs> the cl- <laughs> the cleric? Is the medicine man? Yes. Is what you're saying? Okay. Yeah, it's a healer. The okay. cleric is the, the healer. person who focuses in on getting their first aid, their uh, their CPR, all of these things for 
Usually they're also kind of the person that reigns in the paladins a little bit. They're like, bro, you got to calm down. You're a little bit too zealot right now. You're being a little too hard. Like, we both believe the same deity here. You all need to just chill a bit. The bard. This is the guy who comes with the guitar. This is the first guy that gets killed in the zombie movies is what it is. The bard is a cross between a rogue and actually a spellcaster. Mm. So more on the realm of a sorcerer. He, in a post-apocalyptic world, would just be going from city to city, offering entertainment in return for... For not getting shot. <laughs> and food. And wine. Or, and wine. <laughs> yes, wine. Tiny wines. Okay. Uh, sorcerer. I guess sorcerer, wizard. Mm -hmm. Well, no. No. Mm. Not at all. Not at all. Those are very different wow, classes. Wow, I'm so sorry. I am... Whew, frustrated offended you now to me a sorcerer <laughs> that's is it actually, our marriage is over <laughs> that's it <laughs> yeah, how dare you <laughs> a sorcerer has limited uh f like spell casting capabilities right they're more based off of like recharge like they can only bring so much points to battle like a day they can only uh -huh. cast so many spells a day okay their spell casting i can't remember if it's intelligence based or wisdom based i think it's um I, I'm going to switch them. I think it's wisdom based. But a spell, a sorcerer to me is more like somebody who's like the special weapons guy. The guys who, the guy who's super about guns, like really about guns. The guy who like makes his own thermite, possibly has some illegal munitions. Okay. That kind of guy. That's the sorcerer? Yeah, for sure. The well, sorcerer's what, what, got like all of the, all of the fertilizer. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, <laughs> where, where'd all the saltpeter go? I don't know. That's the sorcerer. Okay. Okay. Druid is a gardener, yeah. herbalist. Yeah, of course. Natural medicine. I, I'm going to pull this up because I'm, I'm okay. pretty sure I screwed up the, uh, the stat line. All right. What about the wizard? They're the ones that like rebuild society. They're the politicians. No, <laughs> no they're, they're lawyers. They're the lawyers. They're the lawyers. Uh, no. What would you rather have? They're the ones. A that... cleric or a wizard? <laughs> well, I mean, when you put it that way, no. The, the wizards are the ones that like they're the the high intelligence class, uh -huh. right? They're high int. At least that's my understanding. Again, I think I might have them backwards. It's one's wisdom and the others uh, sorcerer wisdom. I'm, I'm literally so they're like architects. Summit. They're the ones that can, like, take the big tomes of knowledge and rebuild the things. Not rebuild society, but can rebuild, like, the stuff you need when mm. there isn't the grid and there isn't plumbing and stuff like that. So this is the prepper that stockpiles how-to books and saves Wikipedia to their mini-computer, is what you mean. Okay, so, and by the way, Dungeons & Dragons has changed a lot, and I haven't played 5th edition but it turns out sorcerer high in charisma. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. I did not uh I did not remember that. Usually they are boy. Learning some things here. I mean, I'm I'm looking at So the class wizards are overview. high in wisdoms and wisdom and intellect, intelligence, and then uh sorcerers are going to be chari charisma and other things there I, I used to know all this other weird stuff but sorcerers don't necessarily pull their their skills from intelligence or wisdom it comes from something else and i, I can't remember i'm i'm not nerding hard enough today i think it's because i'm sick oh is that why mm -hmm. hmm. i'm blaming the sickness 
so sorcerers get A's in healing and support and utility and control. What when you're dropping a hot dot in a in a band of raiders that has come to that? Very low on melee damage. Sure, low strength. Yeah. Okay. Did we just completely go off the script That's because it. did did we read what they wrote? No, I just wanted to talk about oh nice <laughs> character classes. So what prepper character class are you? Uh, that would be a mix between a rogue and a wizard. Hmm. I think I'm like a druid. Mm hmm. Mm. <laughs> and a lawyer. <laughs> and a wizard. <laughs> and a lawyer. Who did I have only... a lawyer? Have I... you ever tried to sue a goblin? <laughs> Bear owls don't take kindly to who is uh, serving them. I always played a priest. Owlbears. That's what I should say. Yeah. Yeah, that was always. Priest is kind of the class you get people that are new. But I love playing a priest because then you get a little pet that takes all your damage. <laughs> That's in WoW. That's not Dungeons and Dragons. No, I take uh, that back. You usually give fighters. In EverQuest. <laughs> EverQuest, I played a monk. Monks are great because they Priest contain all death. day long. Uh, Warlock and uh, Monk is what I played in EverQuest. There we go. Warlock in in um, in WoW and Hunter. Do you remember how good I was at League of Legends? No, I don't, I don't remember that actually. I don't remember that. Do you remember how often I would just shoot straight across a map? You just watch Ash's arrow go flying into nothing. So close. Sometimes I hit my target. If it was only five seconds ago when the people were walking that way. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> that's the preparedness corner this week. Ash's arrow is pretty awesome, though. That was that was definitely a cool ult. Yes. One of my favorite. One of the better ults, actually. Ash, but Ash, is, she was such a tough ADC. Really tough. Because she was very bad at getting out of trouble. <laughs> you got into trouble a lot. Help! <laughs> and I, need, <laughs> I need a good carry. Sorry, Lars. <laughs> Apologies. Yeah, I was usually playing jungle or top. Lars was playing mid. You were ADC, and then somebody was running support for you. This means nothing to so many people right now. Yeah. <laughs> Just know I was really good at League of Legends. Oh yeah, so, yeah. If that's so good, I had a child. <laughs> so speaking speaking of League of Legends, just to take up that whole guy who got arrested for the crypto, he was like talking about how all he does was like play spend time getting like playing League of Legends. People still play League of Legends? Oh yeah, it's still big. Oh. So people looked him up, of course. Uh -huh. And like the highest he's ever gotten was like bronze. It's like trash, like trash <laughs> level in League of Legends. It's like, bro, don't. You're, you're not even good at League of Legends. <laughs> you lost a billion dollars and your bronze. Like, <laughs> you gotta, what? you gotta do something. You with failed your life. at everything. <laughs> what were you doing with the time? You should probably give some backstory. We're talking about crypto. SBF Sam Sam something Freed. Uh, he's the guy who lost billions of dollars. Like, think of Enron or think of Madoff uh -huh. times 
billions. <laughs> That's how much money he's lost. He walked free for a long time and did and not get out of Dodge. Shut his like, mouth. Just, why did you not run? Like, why didn't you run? He was already in like Costa Rica or something like that. But doesn't Costa Rica have extradition? <laughs> and guess what happened? He's been extradited. What a dummy. Yeah. He's <laughs> couldn't even escape right. <laughs> so it turns out like Mr. Wonderful, right? Uh-huh. He got paid out like 14 million to shill for their uh, coin. <gasps> and so he was testifying in front of the house today or yesterday. Oh, Mr. Wonderful. Yeah, he's the Mr. That Not is... So Wonderful right now. Oh, what damage to your brand. Oh, so bad. Yowzers. So bad. And when he went out there, he started talking about another coin that was in competition with uh, the SBF coin. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what all these coins are called because I don't do the cryptos. I'm not a fan of the cryptos. I was back when it was like the cool thing to do. Now it's played out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You were into crypto before it was cool. I was into Doge before Elon got into it. Probably and eight you, years before Elon. You had Doge. Yeah. And now you don't have Doge. I had Bitcoin too. At like in 2014. Oh, wow. Yeah. You should be so proud of yourself. I've, I feel better. <laughs> I feel better though than like Kyle who had literally a physical wallet with Bitcoin on it. Uh-huh. And I think it got thrown out. <gasps> like he had a not amount of Bitcoin that you would be like, eh, I lost it. Like it was, I won't say the A word. I mean, no amount of Bitcoin now would be, eh, I lost it though. Oh yeah. And the more it goes up, every, it, it, it probably burns him when he thinks about it, I imagine. Sorry, Kyle, if you're listening to this, I apologize, but It burns me right now. I know. Now. I, when he told me that, I was like, what? No, it burns me that you had a Bitcoin. <laughs> I had a single Bitcoin. I had Bitcoin and I had, um, I had Doge, like a back then now it would have been like worth something because of just the volume i was actually mining that do you remember when i came to you and said we i should, know i should you probably i should probably i was i was we were talking about like 500 dollars. i think was the no amount. it was a thousand regardless uh, i was like yeah, i bet if i put i think it was because i already had 500 dollars in it and i was like i need to put another 500 and you're like no my dad's talking about this no <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm not going down this road with my husband. (laughs) (laughs) He's not going to be that guy. So the show topic. All right. So today's discussion point. The topic of today's show is. Gentlemen, let's get down to business. So today I would like to take a, a just a simple discussion on how I would reinvigorate a club. Ooh. A ham radio club. Wow. So these are some ideas that I have put together over time by actually talking to people in clubs that mm-hmm. have asked the same question to me. We, so this is we a, have a local club that we do. is very not. It's not really a club. Yeah. I mean, it, anyway, not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like a club that meets often mm-hmm. on, a, on a common schedule and has some level of ham radio build up they may have a repeater mm-hmm. they may have members that are relatively active i'm going to approach this in maybe a, couple a ham of ways. fest maybe a ham fest mm-hmm. right yeah i'm going to approach this in a couple of ways okay all of these things are things i've talked about with other folks and had them do and i have had feedback back from them that have been extremely positive 
They are simple. This is very easy. Nothing I'm about to say is going to be complicated. Nor is it going to get you into a world of politics. Mm. There's a lot of politics in clubs. And most of what I'm going to be talking about here is simply just doing a little bit more. I'm already confused. Well, <laughs> talk to Ethan. Talk to Evan about their club. Uh, and, and Okay. You know. Okay. So first one, I believe in the power of ham clubs. I think that it is one of the best ways to learn about ham radio because you're learning it from people, right? You're learning it in person. As I've always said on my channel, my channel is like the secondary, possibly even the tertiary thing that you should be checking. You should be hanging out with hams and going to ham clubs to add to your ham radio skill. I am a convenience option. I get that. With that said, I would, at a meeting, raise your hand, maybe brief this with president or whomever and say, I, excuse me, I am going to be hosting a POTA. Simply, just, I'm going to host a POTA, we're going to go out to this location, and we're going to make contacts. Come on out, bring your own equipment. Um, we're all going to be testing our stuff out live, so there's no huge pomp and circumstance. Pack yourself a lunch, beverages, whatever. Just like we did with the camp out at Thomas Mountain. Consu consider yourself to be self-sustaining, right? Bring what you would bring if you were to go do this. If you don't have a complicated, yeah, you, ev everybody is going to take care of themselves. Uh, I will be bringing out my radios. Easy for you to say. Not everybody has an atom. Well, Correct. I got a pocket Adam. He's like my pocket cleric. Adam is the pocket cleric of ham radio. That's what he is. Pocket cleric and pocket druid. He'll cast thorns on you to go fight higher level mobs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's called DX. DXing, right? Okay. To fight the Italians with their with their super high power stations, right? Okay. Um, you know, all that stuff. This is all inside track stuff here. No. Simply go host a POTA and stay there for, you know, three, four hours, right? And if somebody shows up, and, and really you want to spell this out for people, be like, hey, I'm going to go do a POTA. There's lots of other people who like POTA. Maybe there is. Maybe there isn't. It doesn't matter. In your club. Um, for those of you that have never been on HF, come join me. I'm probably going to get on 10 meters. Or I'm probably going to do this. And, and I'm going to let you get on my radio. You can use my call sign. It's all going to be cool. Really, no pressure engagement in getting people to try out HF, particularly those technicians. So there's your there's your big thing. Now, the second thing, and this is one where a lot of people are going to go like, what? I'm not going to do that. I suggest you make a talk. Have a talk. Okay? Okay. Most clubs like to have a, a, a speaker of some kind. It could be a guest speaker from outside the club, or it could be a member. But here's how I approach, here's how I would approach it, particularly for somebody that's a little bit newer in ham radio, and you're like, I've got nothing I can talk about. Your talk is about the journey you went through on a challenging ham radio subject, issue, or something that you faced on your road in getting better, learning something, having fun, right? And so this is how I would break this down. And this is almost literally the major sections of an agenda that you would put together. What was your goal? Or what were you trying to achieve? What were you trying to do? I wanted to make a kit radio. I wanted to build an antenna. I wanted to activate my first parks on the air with only Morse code or I wanted to build a battery or a battery box or something like that. That was my goal. And then you start out and you have a slide that says, this is what um, I thought that I needed when I started out. 
what what did you think you needed when you started out? And you literally just go in with some of your preconceived notions. Well, I figured that I could get a couple of these lipo cell lifepo cells, and um, I could I could just use some kind of screw on connectors or something like that, and I'd be good to go, and and everything would be good. What happened when you tried it your way or how you started down the, the road? And, and the way you think could just be, well, I saw these plans online. I bought exactly what they told me to buy, and, uh, and I, it, it worked out okay. So what happened when you did the thing, when you went out and did the poda? What did you experience? And this could be like two podas, three podas that all culminate in this talk that you're giving. So take lots of pictures of everything you're doing along the way, and it's a talk so you don't need video necessarily so pictures are worth a thousand words here use a lot of pictures pictures always are really fun because they usually tell a story and you can narrate that story as you're showing the slides and then you can say what you actually needed or what was actually required what was your growth area that you had to build upon to be able to achieve your goal well it turned out that uh, those screw-on connectors i didn't like the byproduct of that or i didn't like how it worked so I ended up having to get a spot welder. I had to go to Walmart and get a cheap battery, and I bought this um, European spot welder. It's $100, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so using that, I got much better spot welds on the battery cells, show pictures of it. You could possibly even bring the spot welder in, show mm. them the, the product that you made, part of a show-and-tell kind of thing. And then the results. What were so the results? treat it like a scout meeting. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> this is literally so. Take a play out of the, the the Boy Scout handbook. Not the current Boy Scouts. The yeah. Look at the look at the old Boy Scout. Go get yourself a hot late nineties Boy Scout <laughs> handbook. Okay, and then go into the section of like how to run a meeting, and then do something like that, but over ham radio. Once you give your results, then you say, what were my lessons learned? And it's a bullet point. Boom, boom, boom. All the lessons learned. And you can have pictures that go along with the lessons learned. Like maybe the first lesson learned, show a picture of the, the failure case and the passing case. Then the next one, next lesson learned, show like a really good example of you succeeding at the thing. Or literally hold up the battery and go, hey, look here, I'm charging my radio and I'm also charging my laptop simultaneously. Great idea. It's really easy to make a talk and, and this, is, this is really the point of where I'm going with this. You don't have to be an expert. And, and really, no one ever starts out in ham radio as an expert. And if you walk through the process of your trial and error, it will make everyone more comfortable to challenge themselves to learn something new, right? And people undoubtedly will want to hear you give another talk if you approach it this way. I can almost guarantee it. So consider that. Next one. Make friends with the repeater person or team that keeps the repeater going in your club. This is only one I recommend if you actually want to be a part of, uh, eventually a part of said repeater team. Okay. Right? Because eventually, if you show enough interest in the repeater, you're going to start being asked to help on the repeater. And the repeater for a lot of clubs is one of the things that gets the most use. It gets the most activity, right? It's also the lifeblood of where um, some of the nets exist, right, for the local stuff and whatnot. And then speaking of nets, ask about helping on the nets. Ask if you could be a net op or how one can participate on the nets. Usually you have to start by participating on the nets before you, become, you, you get asked to be a part of the net op team. But it, it doesn't take that long. And once you show any kind of ability in operating on a net uh, that's going to come pretty quickly uh, particularly if you're a positive person that you know people that that you show interest in uh, in the nets 
And then lastly, this one's like probably the easiest. Ask the club president if you could just like host a show and tell. Mm. Right. And and you'll bring in some stuff, but you know, maybe you'll you'll everybody kind of knows and, and oddly enough, sometimes the the club person who may be the biggest curmudgeon or the saltiest person, believe it or not, they're probably really proud of like some of their stuff, right? most likely they probably talk ad nauseum about a particular radio or whatnot that's their, their favorite well that's like the first person you go to and say like hey we're thinking about doing like a, a show and tell and they're just at the next club they're meeting. just curmudgeon because they're tired yeah. of being unappreciated and unrecognized right right and so you give them the opportunity to kind of grandstand for 10 15 minutes and show off something they're really passionate about and you maybe have like two or three people do that including yourself to kind of break the ice and show kind of what it is and it, it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be like a kit that you built or something homebrewed. It could be as simple as your latest radio that you picked up. But here's where I will caveat this slightly. Uh, anybody can go read a manual on a radio. If I just held up, oh, this is my my new, you know, ICOM ID52, and everybody's going to go, okay, great. I, I've seen videos on this, et cetera, et cetera. Show them something about it. Like, give them an example of what's cool about it and, you know, whatever thing you particularly like about it is in why you bought it right give a little bit of a backstory there so how will that re reinvigorate clubs well i think it will encourage people one to get outdoors two it will soften the lines of one must be an expert to give a talk mm -hmm. right now this may not be the one that most people start with hosting a talk it, it can be nerve-wracking for a lot of people but if you can always fall back on the journey and show your success at the end, then it's it's actually pretty easy to put together a couple of slides and have a bit of a chat with everybody on what you achieved. And then keeping the repeaters going and being involved with nets is a great way to keep the next line of hams there to keep the repeaters running. And it will often reduce the stress of potentially an old time an old timer that has been worried about what's going to happen to the repeaters when they stop being able to drive up to the repeater site or they can't really climb antennas anymore. So it'll help you know protect the club for uh, more years from losing whatever that capability is. And then the show and tell is just a good way of like team building. It's a really easy team building mechanism that you can just be like, hey, um, yeah, we're gonna. We're going to talk to Steve. Steve won't shut up about Elecraft, so Steve brought in his Elecraft collection. <laughs> right? These are all just ideas that have worked, you know, multiple people. So it's not just me, like, just going off the cuff here, although it's, you know, me fleshing it out a little bit. But, yeah, so those are my thoughts. What would you do, Leia? How would I invigorate a club? Reinvigorate a club, let's say. I would bring food and drinks to meetings. Like beer and alcohol? Possibly. <laughs> That's Leia's solution to most problems. Because shots. <laughs> hey, I broke up. Kids, a... kids fighting in the street. Shots. Yeah. <laughs> not like elite. Not like underage kids. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, I think that there's a lot of camaraderie that's built over meals and eating, and mm -hmm. it it causes people to uh, mingle and mm -hmm. get to know each other. Right. And we're multi-dimensional beings. Oh. So. Uh, ham radio and other things yeah is i feel like um meeting at like a restaurant though can get rutted pretty quickly like if you all meet at like hometown buffet that's not right. great right right 
Um, well, I mean, you can rotate restaurants. That's what our actual uh, local Rod and Gun Club does. They rotate restaurants. Oh, that's kind of cool. And if you want to come and sit down for the meal, you come like an hour before the meeting starts. Mm-hmm. And then everybody has already been eating and talking. Sure. And then they do the meeting. Uh, I would Rod and organize... Gun Club is a good example. I want to go back to that, but go ahead. I, I would organize a community service event. Interesting. Where people volunteer mm-hmm. to do what hams do best, which is help. You just took like, we're going to go eat at a place, mm-hmm. very low level of effort yeah. to a community event, big level of effort, potentially. I mean, it could be as, as simple as getting a booth at a local community event, like a chili cook-off or something. Just represent your club. Mm-hmm. You know, get get it out there and integrated with other hobbies. Right. Right? Yeah. Uh, I would, I mean, obviously cert. Sure. Right? Make sure all of your local. Slash Aries, Racies, whatever that emergency communications thing. Well, I, I see specifically cert because it, ex- it. Oh, it's outside ham radio to, right. a, to a degree. Right. Yeah. But with like-minded people. Mm-hmm. And it's something you and your fellow hams can do together. It's mm-hmm. fun to go to a class with your friends. I'm Maybe I'm like a nerd. and that, that Hey, doesn't... kids, you want to get together and study as adults? <laughs> no. No. No, I do not. But, uh, if You want to go to the library? No. <laughs> You could, um, Mm -hmm. ah, there's, well, let me go back to the Rod and Gun Club for a second. Oh, and the other thing Mm -hmm. is if your, um, your club is located in a city and like most of your members are from that city or whatnot, you should become a registered community organization so that. You yeah. you are contacted when there's stuff going on in the city. They publish you as, you know, on the website or whatever as a community organization. Estate. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're getting free word of mouth, if you will. Yeah. So Rod and Gun Club is a good example. They're basically, that's what they do is they, they do the Rod and Gun Club equivalent of POTAs all the time. Mm-hmm. The, the meeting is more like the show notes for the people that couldn't attend. Right. So the after action report, right? A mm-hmm. lot of people say like, well, you know, sorry you couldn't make it on the big fishing trip, but here's some really great pictures of Bob pulling out a fish, you know, and blah, 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 blah. That could be what your talk is after a poda. You take pictures of all the people who came out, talk about how many contacts you all made, talk about the DX you landed, all that stuff. And that's your after action report to build an excitement for the next time you do a poda mm-hmm. right and it, again it's this isn't this doesn't take that much time it's very likely you were already potentially planning to do a poda so the only right. thing you have to do is say hey i'm going to do a poda on this date and you make it really simple you say if you don't come i won't be offended it's no big deal i'm going anyway but if you come out there i'll show you what it's all about um we'll have a lot of fun bring your equipment or don't i'll have some stuff and then I'm I'm serious. That alone, once you take the pressure off, it's like, oh, we could just kind of have fun with radio. And mm-hmm. it could be just cool, this cool thing we go do. And then you take a picture of all the smiling faces and you show it at the next meeting and then boom, you're now that guy. 
There you go. Or girl. So there you go. Or lady. Whatever you prefer. So yeah, <laughs> there's my recommendations on how to reinvigorate a club. What's happening? The staircases change, remember? Welcome to the Hammer to Crash Course email correspondence tower. It's not the email correspondence tower. What? It's just the correspondence tower. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, the tower is for email. There's mm-hmm. th- we have a large footprint on the grounds now. It's true. We've been yes. building outbuildings. Yes. As we've had to expand, <laughs> if you will. So the shipping receiving depot is closed for right now because I haven't gone to the PO box. Uh, I will go. Because everybody's been sick. So next week, maybe there'll be something there. Who knows? But a fun little pass through we have to do. It's kind of uh, after you pass the concierge desk uh, through the lobby. Get you to the voicemail annex. Leia, how does someone e- uh, voicemail us if they would like to read their email live to us? You can leave a message at 562-334-2389. Excellent. And do we have any today? We absolutely do. Oh, and away okay. we go. Hi, hello. Hello. This is Jake, K-O-4-J-E-Z. Hello. Hey, Sorry Jake. about that. I had to run across the crosswalk. But I have got to part <laughs> in the most recent podcast that is not currently being recorded, where Ham is talking about his antenna that he falls down when he goes into a parking garage. And I think that's so funny because I just came out of the OD parking garage. And I'm trying out a new magnet antenna for a future public service event. I plan to take it out with me. And it's just a little too... Uh-oh. What happened? Hi. So every time I go through the parking garage here, doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it, doing it. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> All right. Later. 7-3. KO4JZ. Thank I'll you, I'll be Jake. a little bit more active in the volunteer podcast co-producing that message over. All right. Uh, I'll catch you later. Hope you did great on your finals. I'm... Disappointed that you let school get in front of uh, your <laughs> school your first. podcast co-producing. 4.0 for Jake. 4.0 for Jake. Yes, I hope you... I You better have Hello. gotten 4.0 yeah. for the amount of time you've been slacking on your, <laughs> on your producing. We missed you, Jake. Yeah, Jake. Good to, good to hear from you, bud. Josh and Leah. Hey. This is KQ4APD slash AG. Nice. Ah, should I... Wait, hold on. Holding. Well, you didn't hold at all. I didn't hold. <laughs> Congratulations. Fight the dead air. Right. You heard it correctly. I have passed my general. I'm calling you right after I just got done taking the online exam. Right I'd after. Like We're the thank, first to know. Uh, call sign oh my AE7TD, I believe. And the Lake Washington Ham Radio Club. And the Greater Los Angeles Area Amateur Radio Group, I believe. Or, Glarg. I don't know if they like people doing this, but how I like to pronounce it, Glarg. Yeah. I think uh, the cat's out yeah, of the bag so on that one. I got my general. Yeah. Congratulations. Congrats. On the bigger and better things. I'm already starting to get HF for you. Extra, so definitely going to hopefully get that real soon. <laughs> um, Josh, I just wanted to uh, thank you for you going to take the time out to Help me out with my antenna problem. Mm. I did air quotes there. 
Um, but there's only one problem. Google Maps is still showing just a lot that's just empty. So would you mind me sending the plans for the house? I keep them on a Google file. Oh, yeah. It's not going to bother me if you have them. That well, now. I mean, if you if you uh, send me some kind of... That's really all I got. I will build uh, your property for you. For <laughs> awesome. and you call that a load-retaining uh, one? Finally got to hear that Korean Metro jingle again in such a long time. Just kiss. It's amazing. Indeed. Thank I... you very much. 73. Clear on your phone. Thanks for reminding me. I won't Thanks forget Thanks so again. much. So, uh, yes, so long as I can actually open it, right? Don't send me some kind of weird CAD file. I can't work with that. <laughs> you don't have AutoCAD? No, how I don't. Are you, how are you designing homes? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you Send me something that I can I can view. If it's an image, even better, because then you can just send it in an email, and it's josh at hamtactical.com. Uh, now, keep in mind, the podcast Always send your comments and questions to Leia at hamtactical.com. Um, send them to me, though, if I'm giving you kind of specific. Otherwise, you won't get on the podcast. So keep that in mind. True story. Mm-hmm. All right. Congratulations again. Indeed. Hey, this is uh, Thomas Harrington calling. I'm a ham radio operator. Was, uh, you had answered, and I said it was, uh, that I had, it was the wrong number. And uh, I wanted to explain the. <laughs> Oh, I got the number. Oh. Oh, this is really interesting. Okay. So the the phone number mm-hmm. for the podcast mm-hmm. is a dedicated line. It goes to my voicemail, but it bypasses my phone. It is a voicemail line. Right. That we use for the podcast. Yes. We're not doing business or anything. So... Well, it it pulls into my main voicemail box. Okay. I got a call from someone on my phone number, on like my personal cell phone number, not not directly to... Patreon exclusive. (laughs) That better not be a Patreon exclusive. (laughs) Explains all the spam calls I get. (laughs) So many car warranty calls. You know, weird. It's a weird Venn diagram for him. I, I'm not finishing this because he gives me a callback number. Okay. Uh, but he said it was the wrong number, and it, he's called back, and obviously <laughs> it's not a wrong number. <laughs> okay. And I don't know how he got my number. That's it's a mystery. That is a little weird. I, I literally have it on nothing, so uh, very strange. Thanks. Okay. Uh, the number we give on the podcast is the number for the, the voicemail. Yes. Now. Yeah. There you go. Uh, it's also the contact number for Ham Tactical if somebody wanted to call Ham Tactical mm-hmm. and also leave a voicemail. <laughs> that you that would... doesn't get played on. I, I do screen Correct. the voicemail. Yes. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. So that's strange. Yeah. It's a real mystery. Indeed. I guess I should find out tomorrow when I call this gentleman back. <laughs> All right, on to the next voicemail. Good day. This is Kilo One Mike Alpha Zulu. Hey, Nathan. Leaving a voicemail for Josh and Leia of the Ham Radio Crash Course podcast. With a warning. <laughs> the warning is only 197 days left. 197 days. days till. <laughs> 
the questions change. In July 1st, 2023, that's 28 weeks and one day, you have hit underneath 200 days Still until that more happens. than half a year. They have even <laughs> released the new questions, and they're prepping for those. I saw hamstudy.org. They posted um, something. I think it was on the on the Facebook group about um, prepping people that are teaching for the general class uh, questions mm-hmm. and how to see the difference. And I actually looked through um, some of the earlier questions, and they've done a good job in simplifying a lot of the questions, the wording of them, um, for some reason, making amateur radio not capital in a lot of the questions. So it's just lowercase. That's interesting. But simplifying Demoted. instead of um, a question saying about uh, using coded transmissions, they changed it to encrypted. So that made it more simple and, and you know what, is talking about instead of weird like code like Morse code the chair transmissions as if it's encrypted which you can't do stuff like that so I thought it was uh, neat and I might keep flipping through some of those questions um, seeing the difference <clears throat> and it's 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 cool um, but maybe uh, when Leia when you when you get around to it is it Leia when I get around time. to it gotcha there's no mm-hmm. rush. No rush, just uh, weekly reminders. <laughs> this is Kilo One Mike Alpha Zulu saying 73, and you're all the best. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so Nathan. much, Volunteer Podcast co-producer Nathan. Much appreciated. Mm-hmm. All right, that's all for the voicemail system. Okay. We will start making our way up the tower. Reminder, you can email us at leah at hamtactical.com. That's the way to email us on the show. Send us your emails, your ham radio questions. Tell us about your journey, kind of like uh, how you might treat a show talk or a, a presentation that you might do for a club. Any ideas for the Preparedness Corner? And hey, hamtactical.com, hot off the presses with new Christmas merch. Leia, you outdid yourself again. Thank you so much. Thank you. But if you send us a merch idea and we like it and we make one, we will send you one for free. So there you go. Thanks so much. Excellent. And if you go to hamtactical.com, you kind of get an idea of what our, our comedic stylings are with some of them. So if you fall in line with that, the odds are good. We'll probably like it. So thanks uh, so much. Comedic stylings. Comedic stylings. Well, let's hop right on up the tower, parkour our way. Oh, just many... on the outside. <laughs> we're just going up the outside now? We're, we're, we're okay. Uh, so... There was two emails I skipped last week. Oh. And we are recording a day early. So Oh, you're back in. Yeah, you're back in. Congratulations. <laughs> so apologies for everybody. We have a special schedule this weekend. Uh, we will have a normal schedule next week. So not to fear for the holiday season. Yes. Should be a blast. I've already checked out completely mentally at work. Wow. I'm kidding. I when so do you go on vacation go. at work? Uh, technically, the last day is Thursday. I don't know that I'm going to wait. Tomorrow? No, next Thursday. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I will be able to pull that one, though. Sometimes going into work when there's nobody there is actually very nice. Mm. It is very nice to be able to do a lot of things without anybody like stopping by and emailing and calling. 
probably the most productive time. Definitely when I was like still developing, that was the time actually. I would actually pay, I would get, I would get on the overtime list just to crank a bunch of work. Mm-hmm. You remember those, you remember yeah. those years mm-hmm. when I would just work through the Christmas break and just mm-hmm. get like a, not like a ton of money, but there was just nobody there. So I could do whatever I wanted and nobody was bugging me. You were sitting there coding naked. Oh yeah. <laughs> I had a little hibachi. <laughs> cooking up sausages drinking some absinthe yeah i was just, having your best coat it's just i was i was rocking the bomber curve that's definitely true yeah i was you know what the bomber curve is right yeah. we talked about that on the podcast okay drink just enough just enough but then sustaining it is the trick yeah it's not getting there it, it's actually you don't want to blow past it doing 80 miles an hour it's it's getting that right in the slot jim Leahy from trailer park boys actually has a really good video that that it's completely unrelated to programming but it is the bomber curve that he's talking about you just gotta you gotta down a long island iced tea as quickly as you can (laughs) and then you sip the next ones (laughs) so bad i spent years writing that bomber curve (laughs) in the most productive of clubs (laughs) yeah right Yes. Okay. So the first email is titled, Too Many Topics to Put in a Subject Line. Uh And this is from John. Uh Uh-oh. Here we go. Hi, Leah and Josh. First off, I want to thank Josh. But before that, a short story about how I came to ham radio. Okay. Leah's smiling big on this one. So um... I was first introduced to ham radio either from Joda or Mr. Norris, an elementary school teacher I had. I'm not sure which came first anymore. My first scoutmaster is N3LSK. Well, as a now retired chemistry teacher at a nearby university. And we went to his house for Joda at least once when I was either still in Cubs or after moving to the troop. Mr. Norris, I tried looking up his call sign just now, but I'm drawing a blank on his first name and nothing is jumping off the search results as him. I would occasionally bring up ham radio in class and one day brought in a radio uh, and then talked to someone over the radio. Hmm. I thought this was really neat. And as this was the days before Internet, I was interested in becoming a ham, but I never got around to pursuing as I was already overloaded on things I was doing. Fast forward to 2013 when I decided on a whim. Mm-hmm. To finally do it. After cramming for a week, I drove down the mountain to take the exam. My first attempt, I passed the tech, but missed the general by one. Uh-oh. They gave me the option to take the other copy of the general test they had, but I missed it by more. Oh. I had crammed the tech questions and only looked at the general questions the day before the exam. A week Later or so, my call was assigned and I got a nice radiogram in my voicemail originating from someone in California that saw my new call. Hmm. Sadly, I lost it at some point when switching cell providers as I forgot to back it up. One day, I want to get into doing this as I think it's kind of neat as well, but my Baofeng UV5R had arrived and I started listening to the local repeaters and occasionally would join in. I checked into a couple of nets as well. 
I discovered a really cool vanity one by two call sign that was available and wanted to upgrade so I could get it. I also attempted to join the ARRL as a lifetime member with their payment plan option where they break it up quarterly, but wasn't able to finish the last two or three payments. Oh. Oh, man. Whoa. Okay. That's a bummer. So what do they prorate you or what do they do? That is strange, right? Do they just revert it to whatever the equivalent of the annual but, would be? But you pay it quarterly. So he already paid like for So it's a lifetime membership. Right. And he was paying it quarterly. Like e.g. I'm going to pay off a, a lifetime membership in a year. Mm -hmm. So does that mean they give you half your life? Yeah. <laughs> like what's the prorate? Like how how many years does that get you? Well, I'm saying they convert that dollar value to whatever the annual membership fee is. And then just extend that out? They make it equivalent, your payments equivalent to however many years had it been that you just paid the annual fee. Right. So let's say, let's put a hard number out there because I think- How much is the membership, the, the lifetime membership? I think it's like $1,500. Oh my God. <laughs> and it's like 60 a year. I'm not I'm not positive on that uh, number, but I think I'm pretty close. Did you say fifteen hundred? Leia's looking it up. She's fact checking live. You just recoup in twenty five years. That's all. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like if he did it quarterly, that means he's in like close to a grand. It if he did it if he did it quarterly, mm -hmm. right? That means that he split the lifetime into four quarters. Right. So if he paid two quarters, mm -hmm. he's in for like over $700. Right. Right. So did they just give you that in like forward looking through the years? So he basically has ba uh, around 12 years worth of membership already. That's what I'm asking. Now I'm now I'm more que uh, curious about the, the lifetime membership. Like how do they do that if you if you weren't able to cover it for the whole year? I'm assuming they just convert it. He now like forward-looking. Yeah, got, so he has 12 years of... I would like to think so. How does that work? They just convert it. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> How does that work? They take off the lifetime membership. Mm -hmm. Then they just have a credit on your account. Well, that's... I. You're making assumptions. I am. I am, I am asking for answers. That's. I'm curious how that all ended up. Well, they've already obviously given the money away to ham radio youths right. or massive scholarships. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's gone now. <laughs> so we cashed your checks. So they can't refund him. Mm -mm. So he's just got 12 years and but maybe then they will allow him to retroactively pick them back up. What do you mean pick them back up? Oh, oh, oh. Once but he in, pays in, the remaining quarters, it, it always goes it lifetime. goes up as inflation increases, right? The the cost change. So sure, it could, sure, price price may go up. That's <laughs> <laughs> laugh as you will. If your dad was that works, ARL, yeah, <laughs> gotta say <laughs> he sold it. We, we might get a little tighter in the financials at the yeah. <laughs> if your dad was John I'm sorry, did you just sell all the radios in the shack to buy Kangen water machines and crypto? 
what does this have to do with ham radio? Look how, how many bitcoins we have. <laughs> I this bet, is MSG I bet, coin. I bet my dad's actually an Elon fan. I bet, I he bet you he I is. I bet he is. Because I, I started talking some... I was pulling it out against Elon, and he uh, was he was, he was trying visibly, to defend him. He was visibly shook it. it it's kind of hard to tell your dad like when he's upset. Like his, He's very tough to read emotionally. That's the point. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he rebutted on behalf of Elon and I played this game. So I had all of them all, you know, all the, you know, replies lined up. Um, I don't think he was, I think he's definitely a fan, but I know that's not completely true because if that was the case, I think he probably would have bought a Tesla by now. Why would he ever buy a Tesla? That is diametrically opposed to his business model. (laughs) He bought a car that only was only rolled once. Yeah, he did not buy it. Okay, so I, I, he always has like an extra car. Like, oh, he does, right? Yeah. So it's like I can't, I can't imagine him. I could imagine him having the extra car. Be he, a Tesla. he used to have the top three Lexus models in the same color, parked in like in size order in his driveway. <laughs> I mean, with respect, I do like Lexus. I think they make good cars. Yeah, they're very reliable. The, Asians love him. <laughs> he had that Porsche, though, and I wanted to push it off of a cliff. <laughs> that is the worst car. That Porsche SUV. I hated that thing. And he would, like, call me to, like, look at it. And I'm like, I don't know German cars, man. He's like, you have to drive it because what happens with these the cars? The battery dies. If you do, because the battery still drains. Yes. And if you do not drive it so that it can recharge via alternator. A lot of cars, yeah. German cars have the parasitic draw. Anyways. But the battery's under the driver's seat. <laughs> the, the, the first time I sat in that car and I'm like looking for the battery to give him a jump. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> what in the actual is happening right now? I pop the hood. The hood, the entire engine bay is just covered in plastic. <laughs> so after what felt like an Ikea disassembly job. <laughs> Of plastic sheeting that I could build a backyard shed with. No battery. (laughs) So then I'm going into the trunk, which is the the next logical place, like under some kind of sub panel, like a side panel. Sure. Or possibly where the, the, the spare tire would be. Okay. The last place I would have looked is the place where there's always a weight on the seat. Like, if you would have told me the passenger seat has the battery. Did they not have the internet at this time, Josh? No, this is a while ago. No, I don't think I had, like, good internet on my phone necessarily. Well, eventually, no one expects to pop a hood and go, no battery. Where's that? Electric cars have batteries under the hood or trunk where there is no engine. And literally, the last place I expected was under the driver's seat. Why would you add more weight in the area of the car where so there's upset. already required weight. Like, put it under the passenger seat or do something. Okay. <laughs> so frustrating. <laughs> I think I spent like 30 minutes looking for the battery. You know what's really funny about this? When you asked uh, my parents for permission to propose or to marry me, yeah. you, I, I think you actually proposed without asking. <laughs> I did. <laughs> and then sometime between... <laughs> Oopsies. <laughs> And I think my parents were miffed mm-hmm. 
But they didn't say anything. Yeah. Right. Because you proposed right before Christmas. Yes. <laughs> and so I showed up at my family gathering with the oh, that's rock right, on my you did. finger. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and my aunts and uncles were like, they didn't say anything to you, <laughs> to my parents. <laughs> so... Yes. So then you ask for permission. And for some reason, we were all at Disneyland. <laughs> I don't know. Because I distinctly we remember yep. having this conversation in front of Splash Mountain with my dad. <laughs> this is so majestic. <laughs> I think you asked for permission. And then my dad took me to the side. And he was like, do you want to marry him? <laughs> just, mm -hmm. just in case you put the ring on your finger. Right. He said, there's nothing Under in writing. Duress. There's no contract. <laughs> I said, I brought you to Splash Mountain to remind you of a time when you rode a raft <laughs> to Malaysia. <laughs> a more peaceful time with less pretenses. So I'm like, yes. Um, and then he, he just kind of thoughtfully nodded, was thinking... And he was like, okay, yeah, I think you guys will make a good team. <laughs> right? That's what I remember him saying that. Yeah. He's like, you and Lee will make a good team. And I'm like, I think so. Thank you, sir. And then you turned out to be much more useful than my brother. <laughs> so, Arguably, all of the siblings. I don't know. Okay. Who? Me? <laughs> I. Like, again, I, I am the most why we make useful. A good team, why we make a good team is that we augment each other's weaknesses. <laughs> so you're saying I'm not useful. In some ways, <laughs> you're not the most useful. I, <laughs> I tell you what, I would have already figured out where the battery was by using the internet because I know what I don't know. <laughs> In fact, sometimes I Google things that I know just to verify what I know is still currently what is true. <laughs> that's, that's meta, man. Yeah. I know that my brain is a decreasing asset and I'm going to resync no, no, my no. brain knowledge. No, no, no. I, I know because this is something that I, I think people fail to understand is as science advances as mm -hmm. research and technology advance what we knew 20 years ago as a fact is no longer fact mm -hmm. right so for instance Do you have an example oh, okay a for instance 100 percent in the mommy sphere mm -hmm. that the way that our parents did things though it was best for that time mm -hmm. is not what is necessarily best by modern day standards sure the the beliefs, whatever was pushed, the science at that time, and what we know now. When I was a baby, there was a belief that breast milk was subpar to formula. Right. That uh, It still is in some cultures, it believed, but not, yeah, not fact-driven. My parents were floored when I was like 100% on breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. You're, they were like, but why? You can afford formula. <laughs> like, You're not the poor. <laughs> And I was like, because it is actually better for the child. Mm -hmm. 
And and I'm not trying. Now to get our children into, are just ripping phone books in half. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not trying to get into a fight. Fed is best, of course. Yes. Uh, but the the science is there. If you are so lucky and privileged as to be able to, <coughs> right? It is. It is the better choice, right? Right. Um, and then my just mom. Repeat, fed is best. My mom. Did, I can't imagine we're going to get a lot of hot takes on yeah. a ham radio podcast about breastfeeding. <laughs> with that said, uh, fed baby is best baby. Yes. My mom didn't come around until six months later. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't mm-hmm. know that. She wouldn't have said it to me, but then like at around six months, she was like, she has, she had read some articles. Mm-hmm. She was like, it's really good that you're doing this because it is a sacrifice. Man. Oh, it yeah. It is a sacrifice. For to you that. in particular. I think you hit every like bad turn. That I you had mastitis like five times. Yeah, it was really bad. Yeah. It's so painful. Anyway. <laughs> so anyways, there's... And that's that's one example. There's like multiple things in the mommy sphere. There's mm-hmm. multiple things in the medical area. Mm-hmm. So I always just go. Sometimes I even go and double check recipes to make sure that I didn't forget an ingredient. Yeah. Okay. You know. Yeah. Well, then we found we found one. What? One area where you're more useful than me. I can't breastfeed. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Of course I'm kidding. You know I'm kidding. Oh, my God. I'm so much better than you at so many things. You are better than me at a lot of things, too. That's what I said. I I said, what you're – I agree with your father. We make a good team. (laughs) You are good at some things that I am not good at, and I am good at things that you are not good at. (laughs) Straight up. You don't, like, fix a lot of stuff around the house. That's me. Period. You only will do some things, and then you, like, strut around like the <laughs> cock of the block when you put a shelf up. Like, and, and I'm like, you know, I, I gave you the <laughs> the clap, like, good job, Leia. I can't and believe I, that. You came home, and I built an entire metal, like, china cabinet. Okay. Bro. And it was heavy. Yeah. It was heavy. It was. So imagine how heavy it was to put that together. While you were while you were off gallivanting with your ham friends, just do you, do you think, <laughs> just just that we're on the same page here. Do you think that I ever like build an IKEA thing and go? There's the proof that I'm handy. That's not <laughs> that at wasn't from all. IKEA. No, d- d- work with me. Work with me. <laughs> do you ever think like that's the basis that I build my handy skills off of? Is my ability to build IKEA? No. 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 Not at all. So, like, yeah, you you build a thing, a, a, a cabinet with directions. Yeah, we all do it. We we have to do it. You know the moment that I realized that you were probably handier than I thought? No. <laughs> when you had gone to work and the contractors were here working on the kitchen. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is a good story. And... <laughs> They were supposed to put in the water filter. Okay? So frustrating. You bought everything that was needed. There was a plumber here and like an experienced contractor. Yes. Okay. And they could not figure out the method in which the split needed to happen, the way that it all needed to connect to both. Yes. The water line in the refrigerator yes. and also the water line that is at the sink. Yes. 
<laughs> they were just dumbfounded. And, and they were done it for hours. And they were talking to each other. <laughs> Spanish and English back and forth simultaneously. In a way, I didn't understand everything. I mean, I know some Spanish. But I didn't understand everything mm -hmm. that they were saying. But I could very much tell that it was not going well. <laughs> and finally, hours later, they called it. <laughs> they were like, you know what, Leah? Uh, Josh is a very smart man. <laughs> I, do, I do not know. I, <laughs> I do not know how this is supposed to work. It was the... <laughs> I, I think I explained it to Gabriel like twice. And and I thought, I thought I simply, you know, I try and sim I, I, I hate to say I try and simplify things because I think people are dumb. I don't mean it that way. I try and simplify things so that there are very few questions. Mm -hmm. That clarifying questions on the other party is mm -hmm. reduced. Mm -hmm. Because that means I deliver the information in a way that's easy to digest. That's what I look at. Sure. So what I said to Gabriel was simple. It was cold water line is split. One goes to the sink, the other goes to the filter. Mm -hmm. Outbound of the filter, the purified water needs to both simultaneously feed the tap mm -hmm. on the sink, separate nozzle, and the ice maker. Mm -hmm. Here is a Y. <laughs> and all the stuff. Just run the lines. It did not. It did. The line was it. already ran to the ice maker. He just needed to tap into it. <laughs> that was it. Like you, I like I, I want the purified water to come out of the the purified water tap, and I want purified ice and water from the refrigerator. One is the same, sure. Right, you feed the fridge; the fridge does all the things. Right, mm -hmm. that was the whole point. That was it. That was all I thought needed to be said. <laughs> Apparently not. He needed a drawing. I drew it on the whiteboard. <laughs> I drew the plan on the whiteboard with dimensions. <laughs> this is where you go from three eighths to quarter inch because they don't make a they don't make a a a, a connection. the wa The water filter was like uh, three eighths or something like that, but the fridge was a quarter inch. And I was like, these are professionals, and <laughs> they couldn't come up with the solution. Even when Josh explained I, it to them. So. Okay. Yeah, I had all the parts. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, back to John's email. That was like last year. <laughs> In your mind? Th no, that was this year. Yeah. So th this is when you realized that I was handy? Like handier than I thought. I knew you were handy because like one of the reasons I was so insistent on keeping the floor throughout the kitchen and the rest of the house is because it was the first thing you put in in the house. Yeah. And I have, that is like a sentimental thing for me. Okay. So we didn't replace the floor in the kitchen remodel because there was a point in time where we were considering yeah. redoing and the whole Yeah, and I was like, yeah, it's, go ahead, swap it, get rid of it. No, but I didn't want oh, to. Oh, no, the reason, the real reason is you hate transitions. Oh, no, we would have done the entire first floor of the house. There's only one floor in the house. Yeah, I mean, the whole area. Oh, wow. Okay. That would have been a lot. Yeah, but... So, I don't know that nostalgia was the reason. It was 100% nostalgia. Because I love wow. that floor. They don't make that floor anymore. It was the first thing you put in. Okay. It was the first thing we picked out for the house together. Okay. 
So. Well, all right. So I knew you were handy. I just didn't know that you were as handy or more handy than professionals. So in reality, the reason you don't do any of the remodel work is not for a lack of skill. <laughs> okay. We so now I'm just lazy is what you're saying. <laughs> That's what I heard you say? I, no one could call you lazy. Okay. That's, <laughs> all right. Fair enough. All right. Well, John continues, then my interest faded as other things in life shifted my focus and I never got back onto the payment plan while I still could. I think I could have finished paying, uh, finished joining on that payment plan as long as I started paying again within the year. I forget how it works. So there you go. Now you know. I'm my my question has not been answered. He cannot. So they just the kept the money. Plan back they just up. keep the money. I'm assuming it converts. Oh. Okay. Someone Fast tell me. forward to 2022. Somehow I heard about the new licensing fees and then stumbled across Josh's channel oh. when looking for more information. This sparked a renewed interest. While I have not been active on the live streams or Discord in the last few months, I did start watching the live streams and listening to the after chats as well as talked on the Discord server, including finding some local hams there. I started using hamstudy.org to study and crammed for the general. I think I managed to probably get 50% on the extra, which wasn't bad since I concentrated on general. Then I spent the next two days cramming for the extra and was able to pass. So glad to get all of that out of the way, plus do it before the new fee structure came into play. I think that's three. We, we do the tech, general, and extra. Here we go. Congratulations, Congratulations times three. Well done. Although I do have my first renewal coming up next year, which sadly won't be free anymore, but I guess it balances out the next time my GMRS license needs to be renewed since that cost dropped significantly. Based off Josh's recommendation, I picked up a signal stuff signal stick to go with my UV5R and another for my new Wushun UV K9D mate. I also went out to the shed and finally unboxed my Astron RM50M linear power supply, my Yaesu FT857ND, and checked to see if they still worked. Hmm. Still haven't hooked up an antenna other than testing receive with the two meter HT antenna, but it's ready for me to either build or buy one for now at least. Definitely interested in, buy, in trying two meter single sideband with it as well as HF. So for now, I'm still a no code, no contacts extra. I don't count repeater contacts as contacts. So I want to say a big thanks to a uh, thank you to Josh for getting me reinterested in ham radio again, even if I'm extremely slow in getting around to do anything with it. I also did go and finally become a lifetime member of the ARRL, though it costs several hundred more to do now than back in 2013, combined with all the money I had previously paid that was forfeit. <gasps> That's brutal. It was forfeit? Yeah, because he didn't repay it, uh, start paying it again within the year. But, 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 but that goes back to my prorate question. Mm -hmm. They just took it. They just kept it. That's terrible. That's a little I would upsetting. have raised a stink about that. I would have been like, let me talk to your manager. <laughs> I, I would, I mean, they may not have the like 
they may not have the capability like prorate you 12 years of, of membership. Just credit right? the account. Yeah, you'd think so, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, you could buy swag or whatever with it. That's... Mm, AWRL, I don't like that one. David, you go fight for that money. I don't like that one. Did it days before the website upgrade, and it took a month or so, and several back and forth emails to finally get everything corrected, as I ended up only being sort of half registered in the system? I also went and bought the Ham Study app about a week after I got my extra, just to help support the cause, because it was definitely instrumental in me managing to memorize the extra pool, mm -hmm. though I probably only memorized roughly 70% of the pool, passing my first practice test the day I actually took my extra exam. <laughs> wow. So that's bravery. I'm I, I love it. I love that you're you're all the way there now. We gotta we gotta get you in front of that radio man. We gotta get you now you you've passed the test under sheer force of will, but now you gotta get like actually the the teeth in you for radio. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like you, mm -hmm. you gotta let the radio they gotta you gotta let the radio bite you and hold on for the rest <laughs> of your life now. So we gotta get you on HF so that you can really explore the space. I then proceeded to just barely pass the next couple of practice tests before bringing it up to 45 correct questions on my last practice test. Looking at the data on hamstudy.org, most of the sections, I have only seen around 85% of the poll questions in most sections, and my aptitude in most sections was only about 50%. Mm. My worst section was E5 which I had only seen 75% of the questions and was probably around 40% aptitude. Mm. I basically figured I might get one of those questions right and would have to carry the test based on the other sections. Yeah. I was nervous as heck, but, that, uh, but felt that unless the test generation was exceedingly bad, I'd probably be able to pass. Side note, someone finally picked up that cool one by two call sign back in 2016. I'm guessing it was Chris. <laughs> Shots fired. So it's my own fault for not, not doing what I meant to and studying to pass the test back in 2013 when I could have actually gotten it. I have a few other ideas for a one by two, but none are available right now. I actually have a QSL card idea from my oldest to draw for me if I'm able to get the one. Mm -hmm. I pretty much would prefer a call in two or four land, but I'm thinking about maybe staying with a native three land call. I generally recommend that. I generally recommend you get the call for the state you're in or the, you know, the, the section. Mm. I like that section. with two and four, I can build a sentence with my call sign. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> this is Leia logic, right? <laughs> And as I'm more likely to move south into four land than north into two land, I lean a bit towards four calls. I'm also partial towards W for my prefix, as I can then have either whiskey two or whiskey four in my call sign. Mm -hmm. Whiskey those, two is good. Though since three is supposed to be free when doing phonetics, my native whiskey tree is also interesting. The one call sign QSL card idea I have involves a tree with whiskey bottles on it. A whiskey tree, if you would. Well, that's a nice play on words. Mm -hmm. And sorry for the long <clears throat> intro before getting into commenting on podcast topics. <laughs> okay. I'll start off by saying that while I have listened to a couple of the newer podcast episodes, now a few months old probably, 
I went back and started listening from the beginning. Wow. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, not the beginning. I skipped over the ones that were YouTube rebroadcasts. Uh, no one blames you. <laughs> so I've been listening since Leia joined and built her little correspondence tower in t- uh, corner into a whole tower with moving staircases. That's right. As I've been listening, I've... Uh, I've had several things I've wanted to comment on, but as now I'm already into July of 2021, I've forgotten most of the comments I wanted to make. <laughs> it's this been is a an long, anthology email. It's been a long road to hoe, I understand. Yeah, a long road to hoe, for sure. <laughs> Which probably works out anyway, since these topics are probably long over. So I decided to go ahead and start this email now and just keep adding to it as I go. Actually, I'm partially kidding. I'll write this one that's a basic recap of everything I can think of since the beginning of the podcast and now. (laughs) Oh, boy. Then I'll start compiling email drafts to send once I complete an episode so I can keep track of my thoughts. Well, aren't you an organized ham? I'll try not to really get into too much until I get caught up more to relevant topics that are currently being discussed instead of year-old jokes and topics. I mostly listen on my commute to and from work and while driving around without the wife. She can't stand listening to people talk on the radio, though I know she'd be thoroughly enjoying the podcast if it was an actual conversation she was having, as listening to the two of you is quite similar to conversations we have with friends online. Mm -hmm. Well, that's so nice. Occasionally, I'll also listen at work or home when I'm not watching or listening to something else. So first off, York peppermint patties. Okay. <laughs> this they is going they back make a Christmas bit. trees. Uh, Did you, you know that? You, you told me. I think you told me. Did you know that? I mean, after you told me. Mm-hmm. But I have a stocking that I don't fill. Right. I have stocking stuffers for you. Do you really? I do. <gasps> Good man. I didn't want to tell you. It's not like a robe or something that you're trying to stop. Yeah, it's a robe <laughs> with my monogram on it. <laughs> And the beard trimmer, Leia stocking. <laughs> and the robe with my monogram, Leia stocking. <laughs> Gotta clear the space for all my. It's beard. like that SNL skit where even the dog gets better gifts than the mom. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh my God, did I get anything for Chloe? Oh no. She'll be so sad. I think she'll be fine. <laughs> I'll get her something tomorrow. Okay. These are one of my wife's favorites. Sadly, ever since COVID, she has not been able to stand anything mint. Her green mint chocolate chip ice cream, her mint jelly for turkey lamb, and yes, even her York peppermint patties. So now I have a big bag of them on the corner that will eventually get thrown away. That's double. Mint chocolate chip ice cream is really good. Not a fan. That is Mm-mm. one of the tops in my book. You know what? Oh, God. It's one of Ben's favorites, too. That's so bad. I had a neighbor who was just addicted to orange sherbet and chocolate chip. They actually make that. What? That's like toothpaste and orange juice. What? Yes. Yes. Lori. She was nuts about it. That's so strange. I mean, I get like pistachio nut with black cherry ice cream. That's very good. That's like my favorite. Who would be upset by that? Combination at Thrifties. No one no one's weirded out. Sherbert. Yes. Not a milk product. Right. Shove a bunch of chocolate chips in it. Ugh. 
Maybe oh. she was just so used to drinking her orange juice after brushing oh, her teeth. Oh, God, so bad. So bad. That it gives her such a feeling of control, Oh, you know, oh, just God. to overcome. <laughs> I, I did you ever try it? I'm gonna, yes, absolutely. And did it taste, in fact, like no, it, it's just vomit? That, it, it's, that weird, <laughs> no. it's that weird combination. It, it, it reminds me of drinking orange juice after brushing your teeth. Wow. Like that's the feeling I get. What a strange choice. Very weird. Very yeah. weird. While I do like them, it's not something I can just sit down and eat a bunch of. I mean, that's that's one of the reasons I like York peppermint patties. You can Today I had almond roca and I ate like three. And that is a lot of candy for me. I oh my don't, god, don't I'll kill really. a whole box of those things. Almond roca. Oh, I have yeah. such fond memories I love of almond, almond roca. This is something that as a kid, this was the only candy consistently in my house. And I don't almond know. Roca? Yeah, I don't know if it's because my grandpa really liked it mm-hmm. or because that was like a very customary gift back in that time. It, it, it was definitely a, right? a holiday gift. <laughs> so good. Oh, they're so good. They, I want to have one right now. They're so good. They're fantastic. I think it's because the inside of the almond roca has all the joy of toffee without being too hard. You know, it's like crispy instead of hard. That's it's like aerated toffee a little bit. I don't know. It's lighter. That's it for is. sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like near nougaty toffee, but not soft. It's like a hard near nougat. nougaty toffee. Yeah. I, I also like nougat. It's definitely not anything like nougat. Just like it's more like a big hunk than anything. What? Yeah. Come at me. I will. Yeah. I don't think I've ever had a big hunk. A big hunk is a hard nougat that has peanuts in it with. Well, that's uh, what I'm saying. Covered. It's a hard. It's a hard nougat. It's a crispy nougat inside of the almond roca. Okay. All right. Um. Okay. okay. I see where you're going. Sorry, I missed the hard part. That adjective very important in this case. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Once or twice a week, maybe. I mean, you could have one after every meal. York peppermint patties. The, yeah, because it's an after dinner mint. It's fantastic. No. It's just the best. And the thing is that it's like it's self curbing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because nobody's going to be eating half pound of mint. Yeah, like, a fair. So, what are your thoughts on Andes? Have I asked this? Before? I like Andes. Yeah, okay. I would have been upset if you didn't also like Andes. I like York more though. I'm not. I'm not frustrated the... over your ranking. If you said no, <laughs> I hate Andes. That would have been my like. What? I used to eat a lot of Andes as a kid too. <laughs> that was that was a very common chocolate I would eat. Because your parents ran a restaurant, and that was on the receipt. <laughs> you shut her up. So many Andes. Throw some Andes at her. What was what was something else? Oh, I used to um, have not full sized Reeses. I know but the miniatures. You. <laughs> Do you want to illuminate? people on your um your your Reese's discussion oh that they have to be the freshest well possible. freshest I think I think most people are okay with you having a stance on buy sell date but the the percentages the ratio yeah the ratio of the regular size is actually Just not as good as the miniature the little the the little one foil wrapped ones 
That's the best ratio. Because it's more chocolate. Yes. Okay. Because I don't really like peanut butter. <laughs> it's that last part that kills me. It's 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 the like stance on the ratio, but then it's like, and I really don't like peanut butter. So, so why are you getting a peanut butter treat? Because I do like Reese's. I because do. of the peanut butter. That's the only no, unique no, quality. No, 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 no. Because of the texture of the chocolate on the Reese's. On the peanut butter. Yes. It, <laughs> is think... the peanut butter just the Reese's? <laughs> is it? Is this some hidden lore, the deep lore that I didn't know about? <laughs> the chocolate is incidental to the Reese's. <laughs> I think as a kid, I used to eat around the I, peanut I heard, butter. <laughs> I heard they were coming out with one that just says, oops, all Reese's. <laughs> it's just a discus of peanut butter. <laughs> they have peanut butter lovers, which is what like is that? a peanut butter coating uh, like that's made into like kind of a white chocolatey kind of thing. Oh, no. But it is the color of the inside of the Reese's. Oh, no. And it's still filled with peanut butter. Oh, and... and- so you've, you've not had that because you don't like peanut butter. Absolutely not. That's the worst Reese's I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I've seen white chocolate Reese's. That's a, <laughs> a nightmare. <laughs> you know what the best Hershey's is, though? Don't tell me the cookies mint, and cream. <laughs> the mint Hershey's. Okay. If you the said holiday cream, one with the candy canes in it that's white chocolate, that's the best Hershey's. Oh, the Kisses. No, they make a bar. They make a bar, but have you had the hugs? Remember hugs? They had kisses. Where there's and something hugs. inside of yes, the and they had they had those with the peppermint pieces crushed up in them. Those yeah, are pretty good. Not as good as the Hershey's kisses that are just the white chocolate and peppermint. That's a good. That's a good Hershey's bar. You said kisses, but then you said bar. You mean bar. I say both are good, but the bar is better than the kisses because it is the right thickness. (laughs) 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 Okay. (laughs) Same ingredients. (laughs) Yes. It's just the thickness that's the issue. I'm just I'm I'm not about the blop. It's the I mouth want the sheet. It's the it's the mouth feel of the thickness. The mouth feel yes. of the thickness. Yeah. You get a bite too hard to if you had to bite. You don't bite on a kiss generally. Right. You right. gotta just put it in your mouth and let yeah, it melt yeah, yeah, and do yeah. the whole thing. But you bite the bar. Yes. And there's a, a texture to Well, it. I break the bar. So what the heck does the mouth feel have to do with any of this? Then? Well, I can't break a kiss. <laughs> that's Oh, so it's also a physical aspect, too. (laughs) All the senses are having a party (laughs) right now. You're bathing in a in a sensual experience. I break off by sensual. I mean uh, senses. One of the the one of the rectangles on the Hershey's, Mm -hmm. and then I'll break that in half and just eat. (laughs) And that's how I get. This is wild. (laughs) This is wild stuff. You didn't know this? No. You've never seen me eat one. I. I usually no, I've never one seen, a season. There's I've like, never seen you have you one make, of these. You're making me feel like I'm an oddly particular person. <laughs> I am making you feel this way. I feel like I've said very little in this entire expose into your into your nature of confectionery 
enjoyment. Really, we're just taking a tour <laughs> through not just your in what you enjoy, but also your mind. <laughs> I mean, I, I I get a kick out of like when it's uh when it's s'more season and you you have to break the Hershey, you know, bar up, and it's always like two two squares per. Yeah, that's the right ratio. That's the right ratio. So I need more chocolate than that, and it's chocolate. You got dirty kids. You got chocolate all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I get the ratio aspect of it, but like (laughs) for me, that's kind of where it stops. I don't have like this internal dialogue. No, I think any more chocolate than that is actually unpleasant. Not just the mess; it is unpleasant, like in taste. (laughs) But hear me out. When I open a Hershey bar, it's graduated for me. I don't. I don't. Then also, then engage in fractional work on top of that. Do you have like a micrometer you bust out at some point? Score the chocolate for the perfect break. No, I just break it. What uh, kind of monster I, are you? <laughs> Although you know, this actually has like uh, some deep ties, I think, to your enjoyment of watching someone open a cheese wheel. What? Like the videos of people with the tools where they break the cheese wheel open. Oh man, if I had the space, I would. I would have my own like cheese wire board. No, but like where they have the little spades and they hammer them in. Yes. And they, they break. And they crack them. Yeah, yeah. That's like in the same wheelhouse, I feel like, mm-hmm. to what your experience mm-hmm. with this candy cane chocolate. So you think I'm particular, but Sarah as a kid, you, best friend Sarah as a kid, would take. I think we all think you're a little bit particular. <laughs> no, I'm not, though. I'm really easygoing. Just have certain things that have to be done certainly. Oops, all reasons. <laughs> that is a travesty. It makes no sense. It's not even good peanut butter. <laughs> okay, so Sarah would take a stick of how, gum. How, how, how much longer are we going on this email? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just checking. Just relax. Okay, just... okay I'm, I'm relaxed. <laughs> she would take a stick of gum with an exacto knife. What? And you know how the gum like is Like a scored. regular stick. Yeah, the gum scored. Like it's, diac- it's, like with diamonds and stuff. Yes, she would cut along the lines. Was she on speed? No. I mean, I guess her personality is a little bit speedy. <laughs> okay. But did she eat the whole stick? Yeah, one piece at a time. Like, I mean, it, it's, it's entirely covered in diamonds. Yes. So like. One at a time. In her mouth, one little diamond. Yeah, and then so she made chiclets. That's what she's saying. And then I guess I'm assuming if this were me, I would chew that until it lost flavor, and then I would add another piece to add flavor in until eventually. When you break it down to that size, it loses flavor almost instantaneously. Sure. (laughs) Okay, I got to talk to Sarah about this. This is going to be a, a a talking point. I think Sarah was also one of those people whose foods couldn't touch. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think so. I was not that ever, ever that person. Yeah, I think she was a food separator. Whereas I'm one of those people who tries like different things on the plate in different combinations until I figure out the best bite. Except no sweet and savory at the same time for you. You don't like that. Oh, 
If they're sour. So do you do cranberry sauce and stuffing and turkey and I gravy? I don't like cranberry sauce. Because it's sweet. I don't get it. Because it's sweet. <laughs> I just don't, I don't. How about mint jelly and lamb? I don't know that I've ever had that. Okay. I mean, maybe I have had it, but why are we putting jellies and jams on things <laughs> that are savory? Because it's good. Again, <laughs> again, where I'm going with this, you don't like the sweet and savory touching the things together. I mean, I like, uh, I, I like Malden salt on my chocolate chip cookies. Mm. That's just straight salt, though. I, I think it's okay if you add a little bit of savory to your sweet, but I do not like it when you add a little bit of sweet to the savory. Do you like tahini on watermelon? Not really. You don't, mm -mm. but you'll do a salt on watermelon. Salt is a very, like, it's just salt. It's not, it is savory by definition, but it's not characteristically savory. Like, it doesn't have extra spices. Tahini has more than salt going on there's a vietnamese version of tahini yeah. that is more umami than it is salt mm -hmm. and i like that on sweet fruit most fruit like mango yeah oh okay all right please okay. continue okay <laughs> so sorry john oops all reese's yeah <laughs> In the last episode, or maybe two episodes ago, I forget exactly. In any case, Leia was reading some questionable ways to tell if a disaster is coming. It reminded me slightly of the hazardous weather training that's available for free on myscouting.org. It's one of the trainings that someone is required to have when doing outings with the scouts. So I try to keep it up to date, though I don't think anything has ever changed in the times I've renewed it. There is a true or false section going over wives' tales for weather prediction. Oh, those are fun, actually, on the well, Scout. Well, In the handbook, at least, it was hilarious. While all of them do seem odd and unlikely to be true, quite a few actually have scientific reasons as to why they are true. It only covers a handful that are true, but it makes me think makes me think that there's probably a lot more weird ways to detect weather that actually work. Oh, I'm sh I'm sure. Mm -hmm. it, it's like what used to be magic is science now because they figured out what made it work. This is a weird play on a quote. What? If you go far enough back in time, anything that is scientifically present at the future date looks like magic in the past right that's yeah and i butchered that quote myself yes but that's what you meant right mm -hmm. okay it wasn't magic then <coughs> it was never magic okay you, you, it just you made it didn't have like a way to magic. explain it okay got it got it yeah you also went over a list of disasters and the johnson uh town flood ended up as the last item on your list the johnson the Johnstown flood of 1889 was caused by the collapse of the South Fork Dam at the South Fork Hunting and Fishing Club. Members of the club included such people as Andrew Carnegie, Andrew Mellon, Henry Phipps Jr., Henry Clay Frick, 
Robert Picarn, and many other influential and affluent businessmen slash tycoons. It was a large earthen dam originally built on the little Conemaugh River. I forget the pronunciation you used, but trying to figure out how to spell it phonetically. Conema? Is that right? Conema? Conema. Okay. Conema Shaktate. Conema Shaktate. Conema. Uh, I think would be how I grew up saying it if you just run it all together for the Pennsylvania Canal System to feed the canal at Johnstown at the bottom of the inclined plane system that carried the canal boats over the mountains. It was then sold to the uh, PA Railroad. The railroad then sold it off as well. In 1880, the abandoned dam was purchased again by the newly formed South Fork Fishing and Hunting Club. Between 1881, when the club opened, and the disastrous complete failure of the dam in 1889, there were numerous leaks that would be patched, mostly with mud and straw. Sadly, there were often many false alerts about the dam breaking that led to citizens being desensitized to the idea of the dam actually breaking, which ended up making the disaster much worse. Mm -hmm. The men at the dam actually twice sent a messenger to the town of South Fork to send a telegraph message down the line warning of the dam's eminent failure. But due to many false alarms in the past, the message was never passed along. Mm. Part of the problem was that the drainage pipes at the base of the dam had been removed and sold for scrap years ago so that the spillway was the only way for the water to escape the dam. And there was no way to actually drain the dam. This is what tycoons did. (laughs) Was it inside job? It was the beaver union. (laughs) The earthen dam. They were frustrated that they weren't, you know, the primary dam makers at the time. Wow. They took our gerbs. Yeah. Yeah. They were mad. <laughs> yeah. This was further exacerbated by the fact that the spillway would have nets stretched across to keep the fish from escaping, which would collect debris and clog the spillway. The top of the dam was also lowered to make it wide enough for a carriage to cross. This left the water only a few feet below the top of the dam at its lowest point. That's not a good way to handle a dam. (laughs) The dam was... Us being such strong dam operators (laughs) as we are. Well, I mean, I do give a damn, you know? Mm -hmm. The dam was roughly 70 feet high and 930 feet long. That's pretty big. Lake Konama which was held back by the dam, was roughly two miles long and a mile wide. The depth was around 60 feet by the dam. When the water was up in the spring, it would cover over 400 acres. Mm, Okay. A LIDAR analysis of the lake basin in 2016 revealed that the lake would have held 14.55 million cubic meters, almost 4 billion gallons, when the dam collapsed after days of heavy rain just before 3 p.m. on May 31st, 1889, causing the contents of the dam to rush downstream. On its way down the valley, it was briefly stopped at a 78-foot-high railroad bridge when debris jammed up against the stone's bridge arch. But in less than 10 minutes, 
the viaduct collapsed. Oh, my God. So it took out the railroad, too. Wow. The first town along its path after the viaduct was Mineral Point, which was a small one-street town. After the water passed, there were no structures, no topsoil, no subsoil, nothing. Only bedrock was left. Whoa. Just before hitting the main part of Johnstown, the flood surge hit Cambria Ironworks, which swept up railroad cars and miles of barbed wire that became entangled in the debris. In less than an hour, the water reached Johnstown, reached a height of 60 feet and speeds of 40 miles per hour. The residents were caught by surprise. Many were crushed by the debris, while others were caught in the barbed wire and or drowned. Those who were able to stay afloat on debris were able to reach roofs that were above water and had to wait hours for help. In Johnstown, the Stone Bridge, which I believe was mentioned by another correspondent in the next episode, formed a temporary dam as the debris collected against its arches, causing the flood to roll upstream along Stony Creek River until it inevitably flowed back downriver, causing a second flood surge to hit the city from a different direction. What? Wow. Multi-directional floods? All of the debris that was caught up in the stone bridge somehow then caught fire. Whoa. <laughs> and was a pretty raging inferno. Not to, already we've weaponized the flood because it got barbed wire. Yes. It yes. spiked the debris. Now it's on fire. What is no, happening? Then it diverted, went up another way, came back down. Classic and pincer caught maneuver. Fire. The fire burned for three days. The flood, in the process of going downhill, read the art of war. <laughs> so it knew to come at its enemies from multiple vantage points. That fire. And it had the high ground. Right. Because it's a flood. <sighs> Claiming many lives of those trapped in the debris. Man. Can you imagine you're like trapped in the debris, the water has passed, now you're really just waiting to like somebody to be able to get you out of the debris, and then you die in a fire, which is literally the last thing you would think is coming for you after a flood. Why is the water on fire, Barb? <laughs> Barb? Oh, that's just the barbed wire I'm talking to right now. According to research, some bodies were found as far away as Cincinnati, Ohio. Some not found until as late as 1911, 23 years after the flood. Wow. 99 entire families died, including 296 children. Man. 127 women and 198 men were widowed and 98 children were orphaned. 77 people, 777 people were never identified, buried in the plot of the unknown in the Grand View Cemetery. Wow. So, like, the hunting club that owned the dam, like Andrew Carnegie, mm -hmm. right? The great robber barons of the time, right? Captains yeah. of industry. Like, did they have no recompense for any of this? Well, now I really want to find out. Maybe John gets to that. Okay. After the floodwaters eventually receded, the debris at the stone bridge, which held the flood back from continuing downriver, covered 30 acres, reaching 70 feet in height. 
It took workers three months to remove the debris and a lot of the delay due to the huge quantity of barbed wire entangled in the wreckage. They eventually resorted to using dynamite to help clear the way. Jeez. Now we're blasting barbed wire. All told, at least 2,208 people died. One man, originally thought to be dead, had extricated himself from the debris at the stone bridge and walked out of the valley, relocating in Massachusetts and not returning to Johnstown until 11 years later. That man knew when to get out of Dodge. That is. That guy was in the bridge? Yeah, he was thought to be dead, extricated himself from the debris at the bridge and walked out of the valley, relocated to Massachusetts. Man. This was the largest loss of civilian life in the U.S. at the time, surpassed only by the 1900 Galveston hurricane and the 9-11 attacks. This disaster caused many ripple effects. One of the first outsiders to arrive to help with recovery was Clara Barton, founder and president of the American Red Cross. Mm -hmm. This was the group's first major disaster relief effort. She stayed for over five months helping the survivors and raising funds. Donations for the relief effort came from all over the U.S. and 18 other countries totaling over 3.5 million. Not sure what that equals today. A lot. The last known survivor of the flood died in March 20th, 1997 at the age of 108. Wow. Well, that's a whole additional life to live. You know? Never visited the Hoover Dam. As (laughs) I'd never go to another dam ever again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I would relocate to the desert. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> where is the most arid piece yeah. of land I can go to. As a result of the survivors being unsuccessful in their attempts to recover damages from the club or members, the club had been structured to keep personal assets separate from the club. Oh, and it was hard to prove any one member had behaved negligently. An act of God is no longer able to remove you from all liability. The club's lawyers defended in court that the dam's failure was a natural disaster, which was an act of God caused by the largest rain event in the region. The club, however, was successful in not having to pay any compensation. However, many individual members did donate thousands of dollars of their own money to the relief effort themselves. As mentioned by your other correspondent from the Johnstown area in the following episode, there have been several rather large floods in Johnstown. The 1936 flood is known as the Pittsburgh Flood of 1936, as the flood reached all the way to Pittsburgh. Oh my goodness. I'm not sure how far that is along the river's path, which I'm sure meanders a lot more than the highway, which takes about two hours to drive. To put it in terms of perspective, Leia apparently understands more than actual distance measurements. Thank you so much for that. Literally, when you said two hours, I was like, I can actually imagine how far that is. The water booked a taxi. Yeah. (laughs) drove to pittsburgh after this flood the army corps of engineers dredges the Conemaw river within the city and built concrete river walls creating a channel nearly 20 feet deep they then proclaimed johnstown to be flood free 
in 1977. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. The, 19- the story continues. 77 flood obviously proved them a bit optimistic. Oh, no. These poor people. I know. <laughs> Though the city was only under about eight feet of water oh, only? at that time. Wow, that is a lot. Everybody got a pool. We a pool everywhere. You know, we, an everywhere pool. We had a massive rain here this past weekend, and people were filming the street because there was less than a foot of water, but it was coming up above the curve. Mm-hmm. And they were like, "Our streets are flooded. We're all gonna die." <laughs> Eight feet. Oh God, it's got a gun. <laughs> there are a few buildings, one of which is a church. Um, IIRC that have survived all of these floods, and they have flood markers on them noting the height of the floods. Yikes. Johnstown goes by the nickname of Flood City, though a few (laughs) years ago... Well earned. It also won the nationwide contest to be named Hockey City USA and got a good bit of money to fix up a war memorial stadium which has been home to the johnstown jets johnstown chiefs and fictitious charlestown chiefs from the movie Slapshot. <laughs> what <laughs> and currently johnstown tomahawks but you'll often see billboards and advertisements for flood city that I, that is not a moniker I would embrace. Like, I would. That's like the human tenacity of just like, well, this is where I live. <laughs> and yes, I fight water. And yes, it's been weaponized. It knows it knows the taste of human blood. Josh might appreciate the 1989 short documentary on the Johnstown flood, which won an Academy Award for Best Documentary in oh. 1990. I will watch that. That was it, for me, not you. Fine, you watch it by yourself. Okay. <laughs> You'll watch 15 minutes and fall yeah. <laughs> Interestingly, while the railroad laid train tracks through where the breast of the South Fork Dam was to ensure no one would build a dam there again, the Wilmore Dam. <laughs> it's like every sentence. It's a compelling narrative of the Army Corps of Engineers. We have rid this land of floods. And then it's like, but then they were proved wrong. (laughs) This is not good. This is not good. Originally built in 1859 for the refilling of steam locomotives is upriver from South Fork. As one would put our dam. In the spring of 2021, the towns from Wilmore to Summerhill to South Fork were actually evacuated Due, con- due to concerns of the dam failing. Please tell me they took it seriously. <laughs> every every dam warning seriously. The dam covers about 195 acres, but I'm not sure how much water it holds without looking it up. With the heavy rains we were getting, the spillway was operating continuously, releasing about a million gallons a minute downstream. <laughs> We are we are literally like over here weeping in California drought. (laughs) Like, do you know (laughs) million gallons an hour on the spillway? A million gallons a minute. A minute? Oh my god! Okay, that's 
a million gallons a minute. How big is that spillway? That's insane. Around noon, the dam rose about three feet over the emergency spillway, putting about eighteen, putting it about 18 inches below the top of the dam, which is when they decided to err on the side of caution as there was still heavy rain and they issued evacuation notices to people from Wilmore to Summerhill, which is on one side of the old South Fork Dam to South Fork on the other side of the old South Fork Dam, which lasted for about six hours before they gave the all clear to return home. The water had already dropped by about a foot by 3 p.m., Nice thing about my town, you can't get much higher than us as we're almost at the top of the Continental Divide. <laughs> so not a floodplain. Oh. <laughs> Though Continental our... Divide Trail, that's a hiking trail. Mm -hmm. I was thinking CT, that's a different trail, yeah. Though our town's reservoir is at the top, just our side of the divide. Man, <sighs> that's gnarly. I, I'm so... I understand that that was a lot of information. All that along, was. But I am actually so fascinated I by feel the like, weather in other areas. I feel like, like he also hit the weather. information points that we would be most interested in. Yes. Yeah. Like well th that done, was all John. like, I think you might, you might get what we're into because you did a good job on that one. Yeah. Several national parks and historical sites have come into existence in the area, some at the dam and some in Johnstown and also in St. Michael, mm -hmm. which is a town that now sits where the lake once was. Does they that put us what seem in a lake? What? Like that is a good idea. <laughs> like, can the Army Corps of Engineers <laughs> just check this one for me? You know, it's not to be missed. The Barbed Wire Museum. Oh, no. A couple of blocks back from the main road that goes through the town are still some of the original cottages, as well as the clubhouse. I cannot believe that clubhouse. The clubhouse still exists? Was not torn down in, like, complete anger by everybody, like like just looted and lit on fire yeah like, like i can't imagine someone didn't just throw like a molotov cocktail yeah. right through that window one one evening the clubhouse used to be open on limited hours for touring though i'm sure since covid those hours are even more limited all of the cottages can be viewed from the road and you're welcome to look through the windows of the clubhouse from the porch when it's not open there's also a park on one side of the remaining side of the dam where you can see what's left of the dam and the spillway along with a visitor center. I believe this one is the one that plays the award-winning documentary. I believe the one in the downtown Johnstown has a different movie about the flood. Well, I mean, there's more than one flood? movie. Which flood? Slash, like, how do you how do you sort out how much like you talk about any one mm -hmm. flood in this area? Well, I think the Johnstown flood is pretty solidly the one you talk about. That's wild. Leia mentioned wondering why people would build cities like Johnstown in a valley with rivers where flooding could be an issue. Johnstown was largely a steel town. They needed the access to the water for making of steel. They would also dump the slag into the river, which would clog the river. Of course. And make the channels narrower, which didn't help the flooding either. I can remember as a young kid being able to see the glow in the sky from the steel mills in Johnstown wow. before they all ended up shutting down in the 90s. I live a bit upstream from where the South Fork Dam was, and we were raised on the history in my house. 
The joke always was it wasn't a vacation until we visited a battlefield or fort or some other historic place. <laughs> I I do feel like I have missed out on that history. Mm-hmm. I would have relished because what do we do? We go to like missions and stuff. And you don't like missions. I'm not a fan. But a fort? Oh my gosh! I would a fort or a battlefield. I would just be. Do you know what we do with dams oh. over here? The closest dam to us opened a water park. <laughs> That's I... the Santa Fe Dam. There's a water park there. Is it really? Been. Yeah. Oh wow! I I would. Oh man, I would love to do a tour. A- just the dams. No, battlefields oh. and forts. Like, <laughs> just go up the eastern seaboard and just go to all the different forts and stuff like that. Can't Map go to out, all Josh. of them. Map it out, Josh. Can't go to all of them, but like a we lot can. of them. I'm sure they're all potas, too. I, that would be so much fun. Forts on the air. Wow. Foda. Foda. <laughs> that would be awesome. I may have to think about doing that. So I know a good bit about it, though I didn't care much for history as a kid. As I've gotten older, I found myself more and more interested, probably partially fueled by my oldest originally planning on being a history major before she realized there aren't many jobs one can get with that degree. Though her boyfriend did get a history degree and currently works at Washington's headquarters uh, state historic site, the Hasbrook House, where Washington issued the order for the cessation of hostilities, which formally ended the fighting of the Revolutionary War. You got a real history family there. That's awesome. Yeah, history degree is tough. I don't think I'd ever recommend a kid get a history degree. Um, I mean, you basically unless you have want to go into teaching. You basically have to, or, or become a librarian or steal the Declaration of Independence, I think. Um, no, I believe that he was like an archaeologist. I was, that was also a reference to the librarian, which was a big series. That oh, you yes, yes, yes. Noah Wiley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also a TV show. He was a surgeon. Went back, got a history degree. Yeah. Because he was an ER. Yeah. That reminds me of that one meme of the guy who was like, he was, he, he was like a Navy SEAL and then also a doctor and then also a lawyer. What is this? And then also an engineer. Wait, what? And then, what is this? And oh, the Asian, Asian guy? He's an astronaut. Then, yes. The guy's an astronaut. It was like. I know exactly who you're talking about. Causing trauma to Asian kids forever. Like. <laughs> You will never come. You can how? Never, never. Could you imagine his parents? I think that I think they walk six inches above the ground. Like <laughs> they float on air when they walk. No, I think that the dad left. I think he actually grew up. Oh, without so then the mom dad. floats twice as high when she walks. Or the dad was abusive or something, and that's the reason that he ended up going into the military. That guy. That whole story he never, is His story nuts. was that he never wanted to feel helpless ever again. That guy can do anything. He is. Yeah. Could you imagine how fast he could build something from Ikea? <laughs> <laughs> how handy that man must be. Oh, man, Josh. <laughs> when you briefly mentioned Boundary Waters canoeing area in Minnesota and all the canoeing and Josh said portaging, you apparently did not know what portage was. I did. Interestingly enough, my hometown is named portage. <laughs> Por- well, we call it portage. Okay, portage. It's when you take a, a water going vessel and you move it over land. Because we were a stop in the Algany Portage Railroad. 
uh, PA wanted to stay competitive with New York, uh, who would use canals, lakes, and rivers for shipping. But we had a little problem in the Allegheny Mountains in the west of Pennsylvania. They came up with the idea of building a canal from Philly to Hollidaysburg and from Pittsburgh to Johnstown. Man, I don't know if that's a good idea. <laughs> that's where the water comes to fight. <laughs> For the roughly 36 miles of mountains there uh, there were in the way between Hollidaysburg and Johnstown, they designed the canal boats in a way that they could detach into smaller parts. Yes, they could move it over These land. These parts were then loaded onto rail cars and pulled up and down inclines and ran on short railroads pulled by steam engines on the flat areas until they reached the other side and were put back in the water. The canal system was the original reason why the South Fork Dam was built in order to keep the water levels needed for the canal. The Lemon House, which was a tavern in at the number six incline and is run by the National Park Service is just up the road from my office. While the Algany Portage Railroad was an engineering marvel, it was very costly and with improvements to steam engines as well as the completion of the Horseshoe Curve and Gallatin Tunnels, the tunnels had active soldiers stationed there during World War II to protect protect against sabotage, as it was a large artery for the railroad supply chain in the United States, which completed all the rail line from Philly to Pittsburgh. It was only in service for about 20 years from the mid-1830s to the late 1850s. That's a lot of money for only 20 years of... Uh... Of railroading, mm -hmm. you know? Yes. Sorry for all the history stuff. I'm trying not to go too in-depth. <laughs> I mean, John, I think I think you hit all the salient points, honestly. John, are you a librarian? <laughs> John, is this your thesis? Are we reading your, are we proofreading your thesis? Is this your way of getting Leia to edit your thesis? So I'm only drawing off my memory. <laughs> Probably what? Got a few things mixed up. As that was off of memory? As I said, my parents took great pains to teach history and local railroad, mining, and disaster stuff. Probably got top billing since it was local. I also can't count the number of trips to Gettysburg I've done, as I've done many trips with my family, my high school, and with the scouts. Had finally planned to take my oldest there for her birthday this past summer before she decided to move to the beach to work for the summer before moving to New York. Her next trip home, she wants to take her boyfriend to the Johnson Town flood sites. So maybe after that trip, we can arrange something for Gettysburg. There you go. I'm somewhat surprised she wanted to do that with him since they were both, both more revolutionary war to civil war era concentrated with their history interests. Imagine you know what it was being so into history that you have, you have like a genre <laughs> like it, i shun all genres yeah. outside of this what it was is that she got tired of fighting the freshwater and she wanted to see what the sea had to offer <laughs> she goes out to that what is that like most uh most violent stretch that all the ships have to cross what? of the sea i, I, I just, assume saw, I just saw a video i assume it. there's many 
Fair enough. <laughs> I, I, I can't think of just one. I was looking up something about the Edmund Fitzgerald recently. That's Lake yeah. Superior. And they had to put the lighthouse in the, the, the most desolate location. Yes, I saw States, that. that lighthouse. So we, yeah. we, we watched that. Uh, but she did get slightly burnt out on that. So maybe she wants to get him yeah, talking about... Yeah, she was trying to about... throw barbed wire in the ocean to try and pick a fight <laughs> with, the, with the salt water. It wouldn't pick it up. It did lazily, like, kick it back at her. But that's, like, the tide, I guess. About something else for a change. I took a short break in writing this email to go get lunch. <laughs> Why? What is happening? This man like... sat down and wrote that in whole, one sitting? John, you're an animal. As I stepped outside, This is I saw the that... first email, everybody. I know. As I stepped outside, I thought, man, it's really warm out. And because this is still on my mind, and I immediately started laughing to myself, as I'm sure Leia would not agree that this was really warm, as my car said it was 60 degrees Fahrenheit. That's not warm. Leia okay, does not agree. That yeah. is not warm. I tossed my coat in the past. Well, it's been seat. a fortnight that I've been typing this email. <laughs> Because I had already thought of grabbing a lighter coat this morning when I left for work and thought it rather warm at 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay, so today it was 40 degrees Fahrenheit in yeah, Cerritos. I, I love it. It was it's crisp. too cold. <laughs> I was like, I'm not sure if I'm sick or if this is what it means to be under the weather. <laughs> like... I'm literally under the weather. <laughs> yeah. After work, I might actually be able to drain the water out of the pool that we still had sitting out back that collected rainwater. When I tried over Thanksgiving using a But brick... it tried to fight me. <laughs> so it couldn't drain it. <laughs> using a brick to chip at the ice. It was uh, a... what? <laughs> what are we talking about now? A pool and a brick? <laughs> over Thanksgiving, he tried to <laughs> chip. Use a brick to chip at the ice in the pool. Probably but a good call to drain it, I guess. Yeah. It was about an inch and a half to two inches thick before he broke through <laughs> with a brick. There are tools for this. I just that are like I, better than bricks, I feel like. I don't know. I mean <laughs> like a like an ice pick. Like or no, just... not an ice pick. That's a very small You know what I'm talking about? A pickaxe. Anything a pickaxe? A pickaxe. Yeah, that's what I meant. Not an ice pick, like a little. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't I haven't completed I, I haven't completed the de-icing, but I have a lovely Manhattan made for myself. A full water. It's mostly glorious. <laughs> <laughs> but due to this unseasonably warm weather, which I find rather annoying, as I'm much more a cold weather person, you are in cold weather. <laughs> I might actually be able to save the pool from being destroyed over the winter. Coldest weather I've I've ever done anything in would have been in Vermont. The Green Mountain Council of the BSA had a thing back when I was a scout and mm -hmm. may still do it where they had several weekends where they would host a ski snowboard trip. They did it at Mount Snow as well as Killington. Never did get around to going to Killington, but we did the Mount Snow trips 
several years ago. My dad had terrible luck with this. Uh, He broke his thumb skiing right before one trip, but had a cast thing made where they molded it so that he could hold a ski pole. (laughs) Can't stop that man. (laughs) He broke his collarbone skiing. (laughs) With the broken arm? (laughs) Right before another trip. But they said as long as he was careful and didn't fall on it, he'd be okay. (laughs) So he skied on that trip. (laughs) 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 Then he tore his A-scale skiing right before another trip. And that time, he's had to sit it out in the lot. I'm sorry for laughing. I'm sorry. I'm sure that was very painful for your dad. I have to drink some water. (laughs) The way they did it, they arranged for all the troops that came to stay at a local school for the weekend. We'd sleep in the gym, and they provided breakfast and dinner, as well as a movie and snack in the cafeteria. And then we'd spend the day at the resort. The one year we went... Uh, in, I think, early February, it was a cold year. They shut down the top of the mountain and you could go only go three-fourths of the way to the top. It was almost negative 20 degrees Fahrenheit oh, okay. without wind chill. With That's wind chill, cool. it was closer to negative 40 degrees Fahrenheit. That's very cold. We'd get off the lift and I'd proceed to go down the mountain probably 15 to 20 miles per hour. Then we'd go inside and warm up for a bit and go for another run. That's no, no, why? Cold. But why? <laughs> the coldest I've ever been is uh, Salt Lake. Utah gets very cold. That's the coldest I've ever experienced. We was fluctuating between a negative you. three yeah. and like negative 13. It's that was very cold. cold. The next year I went, I think in late March over whatever weekend they offered the trip. I took my snowboard that year and it was probably hitting close to 50 at the hardest part of the day. A lot of slush and shorts instead of snow and pants. What? Okay. 50 I, is not shorts weather. Leah, how much more do we have on this? I have to ask. This is, this is, we're getting. This is, this, John, I. <laughs> this is a this is an email for the record books, man. <laughs> uh, but now we're on the topic of books. Yeah, no. Uh, we. <laughs> You're gonna call it all right. I, I I think we might have to call it. Is there a, a ham radio question maybe in there somewhere? Because mm. we're talking about snowboards now. Uh... We've gone on a, quite a journey, John. <laughs> I, I There's appreciate... a whole section about the name of the wind. So... The book? <laughs> yes. uh, do we even want to read it for the fear that people will fall into? I cannot. I cannot. No. All right. So I, I've uh, I've got another bottle of wine. So we're ready to. We're going to finish it. <laughs> John, this is uh, seriously not. No offense to you. This is an amazing email. Yes. And the fact you've taken this much time to we, write us something. We do appreciate it very much. This is a lot, though. Chunk it out next time. This though. is a, yeah, break it up a little bit for <laughs> yeah. us, but we would appreciate that. But so far, we have gone on a serious journey. Yes. Like I, you did get ham radio in there, so I appreciate that. Yeah. Holy smokes, we're talking about snowboarding now. Now on the topic of books. Okay, books. Okay, here we go. Based on your recommendations, I'll be picking up the name. We we did John, not recommend John? this. We we did not recommend this. John, you've been doing so good so far. 
I might actually no, have read it. I'll have to check the collection of ebooks a friend sent me. John, don't do it. No don't one go it. read The Name of the Wind. Don't, and it's specifically don't and, and do it. We want to remind because everybody it is it's not that it's not good. It's not that it's not good. It is actually fantastic. The problem is is there's no closure. The, it will nothing, never end. Nothing wraps. Nothing just, will be good no in your questions. life again if you like, read this book. If you got angry at the end of Lost, you think will of that be for the rest of your life. A hundred times more angry. It's like if Lost ended on like the third season with no answers. Nothing. They're Not just even like, the third season. First season. No, no. Second because second season introduces the, the hatch and opening oh, the hatch right. and all that. Yeah, like yeah, the yeah. numbers okay. and all that. Like mm-hmm. Like third deep lore third season. All the questions, no answers. Like the others, all no. that stuff. Like no. none of that. Mm-mm. Just you're done. Bye bye. Just Mm-mm. just sorry. Like BBC style hiatus. Like done. Yeah. That is never the know name if of the it's wind coming is. back. Don't ever read a them. promise of coming back. Never coming back. Yeah. No. Yeah. He's, Patrick it's been Brothers over a decade. Doing live streams. It's like been, he's he's yeah. he's gaming with live streams and and 50% of the comments are where's the finish the book stop playing sims and the other fans are like let the man live his life he doesn't owe you anything i beg to differ <laughs> i at, at some point yeah i don't actually i don't know how i feel about that i don't want to go on a whole diatribe on that one but i i i want him to live his life but I want him to also finish the series. It's been it's, and I it's feel been like, over a decade. Yeah. I okay? feel like somewhere in 10 years, you could have wrapped it up. Yeah. Yeah. Could have wrapped it up. And it, it literally doesn't have to be a trilogy. Nobody would be upset if you did what J.K. Rowling yeah, did. please. And went Make like. Make another three books. No one is upset yes. with this world. We're okay. Like, f- flesh it out. Dude. Yeah, it's Explore fine. It's space. fine. It's fine. Do... What if, he, what if like, when he wrote the first series, he was just, like, majorly coked out or something, and he doesn't want to go back to that space, and he doesn't know that he can make his okay. mind do that again? Okay, then, fine. That would, that's, fine. The, that's the story that I tell myself, that he had to put himself in a world. <sighs> he had to make... Or... The, the only way he could... It, wasn't, cho- it, like, it was an interdimensional time traveler. Who told him all these stories it and was, never came back? It was John Teeter. John Teeter did it. <laughs> Freaking John Teeter. That's what it is. Now we have to revive Art Bell <laughs> to make the talk show to bring John Teeter back so he can finish in the name of the wind. But oh yeah, I don't own that book. Okay. Maybe that's the only way he could he could like conjure the the persona of Tolkien. Was just yeah. to be coked out of his mind or something uh, to be able to write the book. And now he's just sober. Yeah. He just can't tap into his muse. That's fine. That's he's fine. tried playing so many games, so many D&D <laughs> campaigns, and can't get back into it. There oh, is a... Um, cloth, there is a... We, we weep for cloth. There's a storyline in Mythic Quest. Okay. That's about... No. It's... Um, so essentially in Mythic Quest, they have a story writer. The old dude. Yes. Yeah. And this story writer wanted to be a science fiction writer. Okay. (laughs) Yes. I love, I love that. He he should write for 40K. That's fantasy in space. He ended up writing for a newspaper. Like, um, he ended up like an editor at a, like a newspaper that published, uh, science fiction uh short stories Mm -hmm. 
with the hope that he would eventually get one of his stories published as a result of working there. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, a famous science fiction writer comes in to do whatever work on the magazine, and he gives him his his manuscript for his book. Mm-hmm. Gets fully redlined. Every single word, he restructures the whole book, right? Mm-hmm. The guy takes all of the red lines, mm-hmm. and that book gets published because it is now in a very good author's voice, right? Mm-hmm. And he wins the uh, t- an award for it for like the, the sci-fi first... writer took the book. Yes. Oh my goodness! And so he he wins an award. No, no, no. The the young writer. Mm-hmm. He wins an award as best newcomer. All of these things. Uh, his coworkers <clears throat> automatically know what's happened because they saw the work before. Mm-hmm. And then the science fiction writer dies. No. Okay. Uh, the other coworkers end up achieving, you know, uh, mo- a modicum of success over their lifetime. He never writes another best-selling book again. Okay. Because obviously it was all hinged on these red lines, and. He ends up like there's seeing... nothing that be, could could be gleamed off of the red lines that would tell him how to foster a better story in the future. I don't know. Okay. This is just his storyline. Oh, okay. He sees TV and he sees Pong for the first time, mm-hmm. and he realizes the future is in video games. And what if you tell a story through the game? He saw Pong. Yes. The, he was trying to tell the story of the paddles and the ball. No, 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 no. In constant no, struggle, later, like Sisyphus. after after he had experienced so much failure. Okay. And then he ends up being the writer for the video game. Right. So. Wow, yeah. great story. I'm not going to watch that show. It's like it's like uh, but it's Big possible, Bang Theory for video games. It's possible that whoever Rothfuss's editor was is dead. <gasps> oh. Interesting. Yeah, that's my theory. That's your theory. Either that or his somebody that he worked with or yeah. So John continues, I'd recommend a song of fire of ice and fire, which I'm sure you've already read. Nope. And are also yelling at J.R.R. Martin to finish the series. We uh we watched it. You know? We watched it. Yeah. It's I, fine. I'm, the last year, the last season that J.R.R. Martin. I don't have the time for reading. That's true. I hate to say that, but um, also I'm I'm sometimes in the camp of the best time to read something is actually after you watch the movies. That is me too, because I cannot enjoy something while I'm obsessing over the errors. I I, I actually so if you if you fall in love with the world in the form of visual media. Just imagine how much better the world is and how much you can soak it up in its written form. Right. And Harry Potter is that way. Yeah, it flushes like if, if it out. If you like the book, if you, if, sorry, if you like the movies, you will love the books. You, because you'll it have adds a great dimension. It adds so much yeah. extra character and, and, and flavor to it. But if you that, did it the other way around and you're like me who, when you read a book, you you're see the like movie in your head. Well, then you watch the movie with other people like, actually in the book. Yeah. It's the Philosopher's Stone, not the Sorcerer's Stone. Fair. Well, that's in the UK, but that's mm-hmm. an easy one. But, yeah. you know, whatever. Uh, one series I do highly recommend is The Wheel of Time, if you that's haven't read it. That's a long, long, long book series. Is 
The Wheel of Time is something that was out when we were teenagers, right? Because I think I did read that. I read hey, but that it's, around it's, the same time that I read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. But good news. It's it's half the length of this email. That's... <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, John. I'm kidding. Uh, if you haven't read it, for the love of everything good in the world, don't base the books off of the Amazon show. Yeah, don't watch. So yeah. that is the opposite the Amazon case. Show don't watch good, the Amazon yeah. show. The show is good if you consider it on its own, not as a representation of the actual story in the books. Exactly. When I first exactly <laughs> when I first found out this found the series, I had just borrowed the meetings uh, sextant from a friend, which introduced me to the amazing world of Dragonlance. He then loaned me what I thought was another six books. A book series in the Wheel of Time. As I got halfway through the sixth book, I suddenly had the realization that there was no way this was going to end by the end of the book. <laughs> it was another year before I got the seventh book in paperback. Then I started buying it in hardback as soon as it became available. But the wait would be years between books. Mm -hmm. Sadly, Robert Jordan was suffering from cancer and eventually passed away due to it. But he left copious amounts of notes so that the story could be finished. His wife and chief editor, to whom each book was dedicated, ended up bringing in Brandon Sanderson to write the last book, which ended up being three books in order to fit every in everything. Though her first choice, I've heard, was J.R.R. Martin, as Robert and George were good friends. You can catch references to each other or their characters in their works. But she apparently figured that he had too much on his plate trying to finish his books, so chose Sanderson. I don't know how much truth there is to that story, but I could totally see it happening. Brandon was actually inspired by The Wheel of Time to become an author in the first place. All said and told, the book came out in 1990, though I first read it in 1995, and the last one in 2013. Though, after buying it, it took me about four years before I would actually read it because I knew once I read it, the story would finally be over and oh, I wasn't ready for that. Oh, there's a feeling of that. Yeah, there's yeah. A, definitely a feeling of that. I definitely feel that way when I finish these like long series and I'm like... I can't stop. No, oh, I, I just I'm go. Done. I'm if done I'm that passionate about something, I'm hard charging all the way to the end. And sometimes I will I will start it over in different formats, like The Expanse. I'm now in the books. Yeah. Expanse is another example. I watched all the shows, love those characters. Mm -hmm. And and that's the only downside when you read when you watch the visual format before reading mm -hmm. is that now those characters are locked in your physical memory as the people from the show. Right. And it's if hard the show to separate. didn't do a good job of building those characters. That just locks you back yeah. in. Amos is always going to be that big dude, mm -hmm. that big, great hunk of man that we fell in love with, right, from the show. Is he not that in the books? He's, like, bald in the oh, book. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, huh. like, a balding guy. Same same character, but he's more like a, a, a greasy, reach, like, wrench monkey guy, like a mechanic type. He's not, like, the... <laughs> the sexy dude that they put on the show right like amos is the sexy dude i mean he's you think holden is the sexy guy no i don't think any of them are the sexy dude but they're all like they're all traditionally attractive like with their looks right i guess they're actors they they have to be some level of good looking right in hey. the in the books amos is literally like a bald wrench monkey that's just a big guy. Okay. Right? It's not like they weren't – That I mean, what's the closest – I don't even know what the closest example would be to, to Amos in the form of the book being an actor on TV. Like who would you cast for that? John Cena. 
John Cena. <laughs> Vin Diesel. Oh. <laughs> would family. That would be there's a big family contingent in the expanse. Hear me out. What if we I don't want to do anything in the storyline? We love Amos. Everybody loves Amos. We love Amos. But hear me out. <laughs> what if we replaced Amos? All shots. Reshot the whole thing. <laughs> With Vin Diesel. With, with, with scenes from Fast with and Dom the Furious. From Fast and the Furious. <laughs> Dominic Toretto as Amos. Yes. Played by but, Vin Diesel. But we're going to call him Dom. We're no, no that's, that's the joke, right? It's, it's Amos played by Dominic Toretto, <laughs> the character from Fast and the Furious, acted by Vin Diesel. <laughs> All right. And what's, what's, uh, what's, uh, rodriguez what what's his uh his girlfriend michelle rodriguez and she's just like every once in a while just pops in <laughs> fights a guy fights somebody three times for weight beats his ass <laughs> and leaves so from beginning to end it took me about 18 years before i read the whole story funny side story when i first started dating my wife she offered to take me to barnes and noble and would buy me a book i was like okay i've got no idea what's out right now but i'm always happy to go book shopping we walked in and right there in the front a big display of copies of the new wheel of time book <laughs> i wanted to say probably book 10 so i walked up grabbed one and was like okay i'm good she looked at me somewhat confused and was like are you sure you don't want to check anything else? I was like, nope, this is it. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't remember. I can chill with John. I can chill with John. <laughs> I don't remember, but there was probably a somewhat decent chance that I had spent a good bit of the rest of my visit reading. I'm from near Pittsburgh, and she lived in New Jersey near Philly, so I was only there. So she on had the to weekend. ride the, the floodwaters back. <laughs> I might have waited until after I got home to read. I can't say for sure. I envy what? Leia saying she can come back to a story and only remember the vaguest parts. So it's like reading it for the first time every time. No. I've done full book reports in high school on Lord of the Rings without having to read the books in a couple of years and was rushed to finish them on time. We wrote them in class over something like two weeks because of how much detail I was putting in them, pulling from other sources <laughs> such told, as... I had the, the Cimmerillion That's what he here. said, the Cimmerillion! <laughs> <laughs> Which at the time I had only read once when I was twelve oh to back god. up points I was making. You read the Cimmerillion at twelve. Oh my god. Okay. Well, okay. I still will reread the Wheel of Time and everything Tolkien. Although I don't know much more, as all of my beautiful hardbacks were destroyed from a burst pipe, and will often the water can't get away from this guy. I know. <laughs> Even water and pipes is an enemy. We'll often discover something I hadn't noticed before. The books are well-wound, such as hints and clues that you can tie together with other things known down the road that you didn't put together the first time. It's never like reading it for the first time again. I was so excited That's to be true. disappointed by the Amazon series and was sadly right about it. I was excited because it was a series and not a movie. They could go deeper into it and really flesh everything out. And it's still a good story, and I'll keep watching it, but it's not the story from the book. Sure. And I'm so not. disappointed that they could have done the books justice, but instead they changed it into something else that merely reflects the story. That bothers me. 
I'm actually watching a YouTube channel of a couple that was introduced to the Wheel of Time through the series and has started a book club going through Ooh. reading the book and seeing them come at it from the opposite side has been a lot of fun. They still really like the show, but are also confused as to why the show went the way it did when the source material is so good. They're loving the books and that makes my heart happy. That's I, I think you and I both agree that that is one of my biggest pet peeves hmm. is that there's so much good source material that just needs someone to take it and run with it and be true to the author's intentions. That's true. We need more of that. Mm -hmm. Right. Jackson with Lord of the Rings. He we're talking about a guy who was literally making lower budget B movie horror movies. Peter Jackson. Uh-huh. Right. One of my one of my favorite um zombie movies, Dead Alive, Peter mm -hmm. Jackson. I played that from some of my friends after we watched Lord of the Rings and they saw the director and they saw Peter Jackson and they're like, You're talking about the guy who made Lord of the Rings? And I'm like, Yeah, watch the movie. And it's just schlock. It's fun, it's hilarious, but it's schlock. But he approached the Lord of the Rings of I want to try and make a good adaptation of Tolkien's vision. I want to bring it to as close to a visual reality as possible. I think he did a very good job. Mm -hmm. the, the Lord of the Rings, all of the movies will go down as being some of the best adaptations of an author's work, I think, that's ever been brought. Mm. Aside from, well, no. Budget Dune, helps. Dunes. What? Budget helps. Oh, budget helps a lot. But at the same time, like, how did he get the budget? He he came from being, like, he didn't have a lot of accolades under his belt, but he was just so passionate about it. Mm -hmm. That's, like, my whole jam on, like, uh, Henry Cavill is no longer playing The Witcher anymore. Okay. And everybody said, like, oh, it's all this political stuff, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, no, he's just a huge nerd. And he could not get around the fact that they add, they changed so much of the story that he just didn't want to be about it anymore. I have another funny Henry Cavill story. He's a huge nerd. Like, there's, huge nerd. So there's a little boy at school mm -hmm. who's like, my uncle is Superman. And then the teacher goes. What? Like, no, Ben's you school? Must be, no, 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 no. At some school. Oh, I'm like, I can meet Henry Cavill. We can no. talk about. He and I would sit in the parking lot for four hours talking about 40K. <laughs> I, I am not even kidding. Suddenly you're volunteering at the school. I, I will. <laughs> at a, oh, a whiff of a chance. That I could, not, not because I, I want to talk about 40K with Henry Cavill, a very specific <laughs> book ending discussion. That is what I want. So this little boy at a school says that his uncle is Superman and the teacher's like, um, well, you must be mistaken. Superman's not real. And he's like, no, Superman is real. Yeah. His name's Henry Cavill. And he's my uncle. Mm -hmm. He um, and so <laughs> he gets sent to the office, still insisting Superman is real. It is his uncle, mm -hmm. and they do not believe him. Uh, so then they call the mom in, and the mom's like, "What did What did he do? Oh my goodness!" And then they explained it, and she just starts laughing. Right. Mm -hmm. The next day, Henry Cavill <laughs> comes to the school. Could you imagine? <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> I I I love telling 
women specifically that Henry Cavill is a larger nerd than mm-hmm. most nerds you've ever met in your life. Yeah. Like he is nerds are the best husbands. Pen and paper, role play game, tabletop war game, 40k dude, book reading, hardcore fantasy guy. I I just I I pretty much I think I've liked pretty much everything he's done as a as an actor, right? He's been in yeah. Mission Impossible. Mm-hmm. He he does I think he aside from the mustache job they did on <laughs> cuz he couldn't shave the mustache because he thought Mission Impossible would be a better gig. <laughs> Legit. And the whole like Snyder cut and all that stuff, that's why they brought him in to reshoot a lot of stuff uh-huh. and they had to CG the mustache out because he was still shooting Mission Impossible. That's so funny. With Tom Cruise. Henry Cavill's amazing. Like, yeah. I, I'm, uh, like, if there was an actor that I'm, a like, a big fan of. I did not notice about yeah, you. Yeah, I'm a big wow. fan of Henry Cavill. Strictly, strictly because of the, the nerd cred. Like, su- su- huge nerd cred. Okay, well, I am going to skip ahead. Oh, my God. And uh, just go to the sign-off. Uh, John says, We're at three once hours. again. John's email was they- <laughs> the, the breaking point of the longer podcast. So everybody who wanted a longer podcast, here it is. It's back in the form of John's email. This is not going to be a regular thing, John. Your email was just too compelling that we couldn't leave it on the yes. shelf. So. Once again, thank you both for everything you've done for me and Ham Radio. John, KC3BHL, no code extra, no antenna extra, no HF extra, correspondent from the past. Never had Skyline Chili. John, you have to get an antenna up now. We read the email. You got to get out there. Put an antenna up. Get on HF, buddy. I, I promise you, we, we need you on the air with your extra. Let's, let's, yeah, get, let's, let's get it, it going. Yep. Thank you so much for the uh, history lesson as well. I'm fascinated. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to have to watch this. That was a wild ride of an email. I... <laughs> That's an e-ticket ride right there. Yeah. <laughs> The next email is titled Remote Operations and Antenna Questions, and this is from Brian. Hi, HamFam. I'm going to be in Europe for a fair bit of time next year, so I'm working towards outfitting my ham shack for remote operation. In October, based on your recommendations, I purchased a DX Commander and couldn't be happier with it. In November... If you're taking it to the UK, that's that's its uh, home territory. Yeah, it does even better. Yeah. Yeah. My Flex 6400 finally arrived, and this thing is bleeping amazing as a computer geek and it guy it's what i dreamed ham radio would be back when i got my license at age 14 and it just took 30 years to get here (laughs) the dx commander is working great but the 6400 has this other so2 239 on the back labeled ant 2 and like any good ham i can't let holes like that go unfilled (laughs) Hmm, t-shirt idea? Anyways, I figured... <laughs> that's for the rock bottom. Uh, Anyways, I figured the I, I do like that idea, though. Like, that's... I don't know how we'd work that out. 1778 GRV antenna, a G5 RV antenna, would fill that open hole nicely. I spent a few days trying to get it up into the appropriate trees on my property and mm-hmm. cabling it back to my radio. Okay. Everything seemed to be a bit... Uh, to be... Off to a good start with both antennas receiving very nicely. While testing the G5RV on various bands, I noticed that I get a bit of buzz from those stereo speakers in my shack on 40 meters. It's so little that I'm not even going to worry about it. Other bands seem to be just fine. 
Later that night while playing radio, I noticed that I now have that same buzz on 40 meters while transmitting on the DX Commander, which I've never had before. It was the exact same level and intensity as when I was transmitting on the G5RV, which got me wondering if the ground on these two antennas are interacting somehow. I don't know, maybe. I mean, I'm going to need a little more details on how the antennas are connected before I can really answer that. Josh, probably. <laughs> Here's some more details on the antenna setup. The DX Commander goes to a ground rod and a lightning arrestor a few feet from the antenna and then into the house. Mm -hmm. When I added the G5 RV, I created a six-inch air core choke with the coax at the antenna feed point per MFJ's documentation and then ran that back to a ran that to a second lightning arrestor attached to the same ground rod. Okay. I've attached a few pictures for reference. The way I understand antennas like the DX commander work, the signal quote unquote launches off the ground wires buried in or laid on top of the ground. And after hearing the buzz on 40 meters while transmitting with either antenna, I have the following questions. One, I'm assuming my lightning and resters and ground rod are tying the grounds of both antennas together. Does that now present half of the G5RV antenna as a launch pad for signals from the DX commander? Or does the air choke on the G5RV prevent that? If the DX commander does, quote unquote, see the G5RV uh, <coughs> ground radial in the air, is this a good thing? Does it make the DX commander have some weird transmit pattern? Well, so what he didn't include is how far away from the two antennas. What's the space, right? Between the G5RV and the DX commander, how much space do you have between them? Okay. Now, if, if you have questions about hum being introduced by any one of the antennas, the first thing you should do is just disconnect one of the antennas that you think might be causing the hum and then try again on 40 meters. If you think the G5RV, which I think is the case, he thinks that's what introduced this hum noise, is causing the hum if you disconnect it and the hum goes away. And I mean from the radio, like disconnect it from the radio, like get the feed line away from it. Try again and see if the hum goes away. If it is... And you did the air choke, which it sounds like you did. Um, what he didn't say is, do, do you have chokes on the feed point in the radio? That I don't know. So generally, regardless of how good you've made a lightning ground, which is what you've done here. Good on you, by the way, for doing that. The lightning ground to a ground rod is going to arrest a lot of mm, static that you get on the antenna and whatnot. But you're still going to probably pick up some common mode currents uh, on the shield of the coax. And one of the better things you can do is add a toroid core to your um, actual feed line, the coax, the individual coax lines. I'm going to pause you here because there's a second question. Oh, Should I do a similar air wound choke on the DX Commander's coax like I did on the G5RV? Would this prevent any interaction? Or three, is there a better way to do what I'm doing here that I'm not seeing? Okay. So the, the, so I, I would go back to a, an AB test of plug in the DX commander, no G5RV, transmit. Do you have a hum? Do the same thing the other way around. Disconnect the DX commander, plug in the G5RV, do an AB test. Is there a hum? If you find out that there is a hum, 
all the time, then it's likely that you're just getting a bit of RF back into the shack. And what you can do is add ferrites to things like your microphones, your speakers, all the cabling to your computer, your feed lines, etc. All those things are going to pay dividends, well, not pay dividends necessarily, but all things are good to have because most of that stuff that you picked up on the antenna, it gets dropped off to the ground rod um, via the, the spark gap that you have. So then the question is, are you picking up common mode somewhere from some other source of RFI? Or is it just purely RFI that's getting into the shack, which is another you know, very likely situation that could be happening. So you, you just have to uh, negotiate that by trying some things out. First of all, do the A-B test of the two ta of the antennas and then add the, uh, the toroid cores to each of the feed points, the power lines, pretty much anything that goes in the radio, I add a choke on it uh, just as, as good, you know, a precaution. Audio systems like external speakers sometimes also need some work there as well. Uh, because they can pick up stray RFI as well. So ground right. your station too. Grounding your station helps. Well, Brian continues, I'm sure at some point while reading this email, the following comment was made. Why not just get your extra and operate from Europe? Josh, probably. I'm studying for that now, but looking at the next several months, I just don't think I have the time before leaving. I do plan to take my IC705 with me and try and take the extra test remotely while I'm in Europe. The fact you're picking up a hum on QRP is a little bit bothersome. He's a 705, right? Um, he has he has the 705, mm -hmm. but he's I think he's talking about operating on a Flex 6400. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I, I think yeah, that's right. Um So the good news is that there's a lot of testing you can do, right, to isolate what's causing it. If you can determine what's causing it, then you can always step do many steps to mitigate it, right? So the first thing is to, to figure out what the cause is. Always, always figure out the cause first. Otherwise, you're just, you're throwing ferrites on stuff that doesn't necessarily need it. Uh, not that there's necessarily a bad ferrite you can add to your system. So So start with that. And for everybody listening, it's it's not an affiliate code or anything like that, but um, some of the best ferrites and toroids that you can get comes from Palomar Engineers. And if you use the code HRCC73, you get a 10% off discount, regardless of whatever coupons they have going on. So if they have like a 15% off, please use their coupon for that. But uh, HRCC73, not an affiliate at all. We just... Uh, I like what they do, and they have a coupon for you, the listener. So there's the recommendation. Buy your stuff from them. It's much better than any of the junk you get on Amazon. Wow. All right. Well, Brian signs off. Thanks for all you two do. Brian, N2, SNF, 1X crew, not allergic to bees. And I showed Josh the picture because I didn't show it. To oh, yes. Show me the picture. Beautiful. That's a, that is a DX commander. Yep, that's a uh, spark arrestor setup. Yeah, yeah, the spark arrestor is fine. It, the curiosity is how close is the uh, G five RV? All right. Now you're you're using so that's the other thing to keep in mind. the The DX commander is a resonant antenna, meaning no tuners or anything like that. It's cut for the bands you're going to operate on, right? So ideally, 
a lot of that RF is is just going out the antenna and coming back in, and it's just all outside. That's that's one of the advantages advantages of the DX Commander. With the G5RV, you're going to have to use the tuner on the radio, and that in itself is going to generate some RFI, at least from my experience. So you might just need to choke all the feed points. That's all right, Brian. Guess. Well, hope that helped. Uh, maybe a little bit more information, though you did a good job of... You did. You got in my head a little bit yeah. there. The next email is from Daniel, and it's titled, A Solar Panel Antenna Question. Hi, Josh and Leia. Love the show. Who knew ham radio talk could be so funny? <laughs> well, thank you for listening. It's I, all Leia. I started listening back in June of this year, right around Oops, the time... all Reese's. <laughs> I started studying for my tech. I passed that in September and went on to the general, which I passed on December 2nd. Ooh, buddy. Congratulations. That's the way to do it. I'm now studying for the extra, and holy cow, this math is making me feel really stupid. But anyway, my question is about Maybe solar panels. Maybe you just spent like two years just enjoying general. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. And how they interfere with antennas. My wife and I have recently been looking into installing solar panels on our roof. We had a company come around and do an assessment, and the guy ran the numbers. Turns out it looks like a fairly good deal, especially with the tax incentives. Mm. That would mean our roof on the south and west side of the house would be completely covered with solar panels. Josh, do you know anything about how these panels might interfere with radio reception yes. and transmission? And are there ways to effectively mitigate any potential problems? Mostly no. So here's the deal. It's not the panel that's the problem. It's the charge controller. This is actually also our holdup in getting... Um, in getting solar panels, yeah. because Josh is convinced that all of the... Uh, is garbage. Yeah. It's hot garbage. <laughs> so the, the problem that you have, it's not the panel, because the panel is just a photovoltaic cell, mostly. You have to connect that into something that is going to then feed into the grid, because that's ultimately what the solar companies want you to do, right? Is they want you to feed that power back into the grid. So you're going to have to have an actual... AC to DC transformer, a bridge, full bridge circuit that's going to convert that power. So the problem is that not all charge controllers are created equal. And a lot of charge controllers will dump RFI. So what you'll experience on ham radio during the day when the panels are doing panel things you're going to get a lot of noise potentially on your noise floor for your radio. That's very difficult to mitigate. There's not much you can do for that, to be honest. And if it's something that a, that a company is putting in that's in, you know, some kind of amateurized, I don't want to say lease, but you're basically paying them as a byproduct of them putting it on the roof and everybody makes a little bit of money and everybody saves money on power, blah, blah, blah. You really, really, really have to be careful with the charge controllers they're using and how you determine that. Like, how do you tell the guys, oh, yeah, put up all the panels and then we're going to try out all the charge controllers. I don't I don't even know that they have multiple charge controllers that they work with. Right. I don't know that you can tell them, oh, I need a low noise charge controller. 
right? I, I don't know that you, you can write that into the contract. And how do you prove that, right? Well, I guess this is actually a good question for the ham community. Has anybody installed solar panels at their house with a certain installer or a specific manufacturer where you do not have a problem with your solar panels? I, there are charge controllers that exist that are much uh, less noise creating. And, and that's what you that's what you're aiming for. Right. When, when we talk about doing solar for uh, ham radio, we're generally using charge controllers that are like built by hams for hams kind of thing. Right. right. So like Buddy Stick has a charge controller and it's pretty low noise. Genesun is another company that is often, you know, mentioned for being a good charge controller that is low noise. Are those companies using those charge controllers? Probably not. So then you have to be really cautious because what, again, what happens, your transmit's not a problem. This is not a problem of any of this. Your problem is the receive. It will it will raise your noise floor to the point that you, you can't really listen to anything. You can't hear anything on your radio. It's like it deafens you, right? It's like everybody's screaming all around you and your ears can only hear the screaming. You can't hear the people that you actually are ta trying to talk to. That's what... That's what that is, the high noise floor. So that that that's the concern that I have when you start talking about stuff like that. Uh, still posing that question to the sure. HRCC community. Indeed. Did you have somebody else install and you didn't have an issue? Let's hear the, what that manufacturer. Is. Let's hear the good. Yeah. Let's hear the good yeah. solar companies. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Daniel signs off. Thank you so much for all you do. P.S. I love hearing you mangle New England town pronunciation. Oh, yeah. Shrewsbury. It's the best. Man, it's the best. <laughs> Shrewsbury is a good one. In England, they pronounce it Shrov Shrovesbury. Snozberries taste like snozberries. <laughs> KC1RUG Daniel. <laughs> Thank you, Daniel. I hope that was helpful. And hopefully um, somebody will drop some suggestions uh, for companies that they use that worked out well. The aggressive non-compliance to English <laughs> in New England is staggering. Yes. It's uh, real indicative it, of it's, history. Like, I, I, I like it. I like it just because it's so, like, it, it's, it's normalized aggression. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they're all We're going to speak English. But it's going to be R-ing. It's R. We we we're taking it back. Like this is. But you know what? It's it's not like uh, England did it any better with Lieutenant. Okay, so. Oh yeah, that was a big that was a big kerfuffle for you. It why did it's they spelled, it's spelled it a specific no different, way? No different. What? Lieutenant. It doesn't even make sense. Okay. Anyways, uh, the next email is titled "Season Gre Seasons Greetings from Rich W 3 EGD, and it is merely a uh, comic strip. Do you remember For Better or For Worse? No. It used to be in the newspapers. No. No. Okay. Are you ready to watch the parade, April? Yeah. Move, Daddy. I can't see. Here he comes, April. Here comes Santa. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho. Boy, being Santa in a Christmas parade must be an exhausting job. Yeah. But don't worry, he only has one more road to hoe. <laughs> Is that what it says? Yes. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well done. Well done. <laughs> the... That's 
that's all I want is to people to acknowledge that a tough road to hoe yes, is the right. <laughs> I'm okay with a tough row to hoe as well, but most of us are not farmers. <laughs> but you are hoeing roads? <laughs> is that what you're saying? I can imagine how hard it would be, which is the point. <laughs> All right. Look, if New England can get away with the craziness, why can't I? <laughs> okay, Josh, it's time. It's the final email. Okay. Our final email comes from longtime friend of the show, Greg. And it's titled, Adif versus cabrillo logs cabrillo logs Ca whatever mm -hmm. I, <laughs> Good. it's cabrillo here two l's is a y okay let's okay thank you Hi, Leia and Josh. It seems like all the good logging programs give me a diff files and do we already read this um we might have yeah i think we did how did this become the last email exactly oh it bumped it I've got a... It was a false last email. Sorry. All right. Well, uh, I do have one I can read. And this one's called decals. <laughs> Deckles in Canada. Uh, and this is from Shane. The people want appliance operator decals. I asked them. We wish <laughs> to let the world know that we can operate all the appliances. Thank you, Shane. KI5MJR. Hey, Shane, I'll do it for you this week. Just because you asked so nicely. And you asked all those other people, too. All the people in the world. That amount of effort should be rewarded. Can we talk about the upcoming thing? What upcoming thing? With that logo. That's potentially happening. It's not the appliance operator logo. It's not? Okay. You want to talk about the other things? Oh, you mean the patches? Yeah. Uh... Yeah, I've I've got the samples back for the HRCC patches. Everybody says they're good. So uh, I guess they'll be going into production. So we'll have patches soon, like a proper PVC vinyl Velcro-backed yep. patch mm -hmm. that you can use for your Velcro purposes. It's very exciting times. Indeed. That's it. That was the last email. That was it. Yeah. Okay. Well... This was uh, quite a ride. It was. It was Thank you so much to all the correspondents this week. We uh, love hearing from you. We love all the questions, the ideas, the history. We'll have the emails. So, you know, again, we're, we recorded this a day early. So your emails are still going to get in there. You're it's just, just going to have to wait a week. <laughs> it's just up to Leia to decide, ultimately, who makes the cut for next week's show. It's true. So we thank you all. I'm drunk with power. <laughs> That's a terrible evil laugh. Yeah, those. It's like I. No one is convinced. It's by like it. I don't even have an evil bone in my body. <laughs> Am I right, Josh? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I've never experienced it. <laughs> Just the most calm of demeanors. You know, no, I, now you're reaching. <laughs> I, 
I was I was on board with the uh, the the no evil. I don't think that's true. I don't think you do have an evil bone in your body. But calm demeanor. Mm. I would say most of the time, very calm, <laughs> very go with the flow. But then somebody brings up Pat Patrick Rothfuss, and then it's we're all fighting. It's true. All right, everybody, enjoy. Oh, oh, next week might be an early recording too because we Why? have um, we're hosting that thing with. Uh, Why though? We're hosting a little Christmas get together. Remember on the twenty second. I'm sure we'll be fine. We will not be fine. All of us will be off of work. What is what does that mean? We can just record the podcast no i don't think you know how late some people party i'm the early bird in that group we're talking about next thursday yeah next thursday is not christmas eve christmas eve is on saturday i know a bunch of my city friends are coming over chung and oh Miami. my god is that i know they're coming over here yes oh no okay that that could be long that's what i'm saying all right, everybody. Well, we have no idea what we're going to do next week. But, um, <laughs> Tune we hope, in next week. We to hope find you're out. there to listen about <laughs> what we decide. Um, <laughs> we appreciate you all. We really do. Thank you for listening. Uh, send us your feedback however you want to send us feedback. Or, but a reminder, Leia at hamtactical.com. You can leave comments and we will read them on the air if you leave them on Apple Podcast as Maybe. well. As well as Podbean, I'm, I'm <laughs> dipping in a little bit there as well, but we'll definitely hit all of the Apple podcasts, and we really uh, appreciate you taking the time to hit us up over there. So, without ado, here we go. Thank you, Korea. Seventy-three, everybody. Seventy-threes.